Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And away we go, live from Griffith Stadium in sunny Saskatoon. Carbon copy day of yesterday, Mother's Day, which was day one of training camp. And uh, almost carbon copy on the field, too. Team just kind of went through its paces. couple of competitive drills. And uh, we're going to get into that in a second. If you want to join in on the conversation, ask us some questions. Luke and I would be pleased to field those the best we can. 936-6262 is the number. And uh, the text line is powered by our friends at the Capital Auto Group. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Now, we're not going to have a huge amount of uh, guests on the phone. Well, actually, we will. We have uh, Coach Dickinson from somewhere else on campus for his regular Monday hit for McDougal Auctioneers. We'll also hear from Glenn Suter for Quality Tire and uh, A.J. Jakubik from Ottawa. But uh, first, uh, welcome inside the broadcast booth here, and I welcome my buddy Luke Mulliner. By the way, we have something we call the Rider Rewind. It's a uh, training camp wrap-up for the day's activities. You can check that out at all our social media pages, a little two-minute version of what you're going to hear on the show today. Luke, um, once again, just kind of, uh, it almost was like a on-field uh, tutor kind of day it wasn't it wasn't what something you were used to I, I had nine pro training camps yeah and i played with a lot of great players and everyone we would have loved this training camp well this well, is the home second out. the second day and yeah. it was essentially individual drills i'm telling you uh, and and I'll tell the Ryder Nation yeah. this and i'm not saying it's it's the wrong approach it's just a different approach it's a different approach I lost my big toenail day one of training camp when we won the Grey Cup in 2007. That first practice, that first five practices, was an absolute physical and mental grind. And there's a lot of value that you can that you can create when you put guys into a mental and physically tough spot. Now, I'm not saying that again. It's, this is a different approach, and I also think it takes into consideration this generations of a uh, generation of athlete, which isn't, in my opinion, which is which which is a, a lot softer, mm-hmm. um, but it's just not something that we're used to. There wasn't very much competitiveness today, and even when there was, it was sloppy. Yeah, it, it was, was really sloppy, and I wanted does that bother you? For uh, should we be concerned about? Well, that? that's and that's why. That's why. That's the reason to start out with with just a few days worth of just an absolute grind because. Because you knock that rust off quick, right? Like the receivers are out there dropping all sorts of footballs today, and this is one of the topics that you and I talked about. What five things were we were looking for? We wanted to see the guy. There's no receiver out here over the first two days that has stepped out, but there is also no opportunities for them because they've only done a few skelly. Sessions. Well, and here's a good uh, question for you. By, by the way, I just going to mention Jeff Fairholm. He was like, "Okay, I'm going to be at camp this week. Uh, can you tell me what it is?" I said, "Well, it's nine to eleven thirty." He's like. Okay, and then when's the second one? Yeah. Like, no, no, there's only one. He goes, <laughs> yeah. one? Oh, goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, uh, Fairholme was doing three a day yeah. in the parking lot. Yeah, so, so we'll, get, we'll get to that more of that in a second. But where I wanted to go with this is tomorrow this football team has to cut down by midnight. Uh, ten players have to come off the roster. Okay? And so... Even more reason... For the that's first right. two days. And, and, and that's where I'm going to ask Coach Dickinson this, because he said it's co- we're going to look at it maybe in the off season and see if we can make it a little more fair for the for the new guys coming in, because they don't get a lot of time to 
impress, but that was my mentality. If you know you got to cut down by tomorrow at midnight, why would we not just get into the 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 skills and drills and they competing a, yeah, competing stuff? They've got a ton of time to 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 impress. They just haven't been given the opportunity. There yeah. were a couple Skelly sessions and a couple really watered down team sessions. And again, I got to remind Rider Nation, this is day two. Um, so when you and especially when you have cut down days coming uh, that are on the horizon, I want to see as much film as possible of these guys. Actually, I don't care that they can they can hit the bag. I don't care that they can do a spin move off the. I don't care that our offensive linemen can slowly do the left hand pass set and also the right hand pass set. Right, like get them get them rolling. There's yeah. there's there's question marks. For this team that was six and twelve last year, yeah. there's a lot of question marks that need to be answered. So hopefully tomorrow we can really get into that competitive mindset. Um, once again, I'm not saying it's the wrong approach. I'm saying it's a different approach. Um, but you have a lot of athletes that are my age that have played ten years ago. Like you see it in every sport right now. The athletes from my generation all have a problem with every sport. So I don't think it's necessarily just a rider thing, a CFL thing, but I just do think that there's a lot of value in actually going out and working your tail off in the first few and then maybe show like you've got a Saturday showcase in front of the fans yeah. in Saskatoon minor football, right? Like make that a funner day, right? So so let me ask you this, and uh, try not to jump out of the booth, because I know you get fired up about this, but I'm going to ask you this. With what's happened to this football team in the past, like we had the five Achilles, a couple of... A couple of yeah. You can't be scared, but you, you also have to be mindful, because the one thing with this football team, and you said it right at the get-go, depth. Depth is going to be a concern, yeah. so uh, you, you have to kind of walk a fine line that you don't want to dr- you don't okay. want to have injuries early on in camp. Great question. So, so what would you rather do? Would you rather protect the the potential depth you think you have, or would you rather find the depth? Because what happens in camp is people forget that J.O. is on the phone. Mm-hmm. J.O. is is trying to get other guys. Yeah, this just isn't depth, the team, right? Yeah. yeah, this isn't the team. Like there are plenty of guys. That's I'm going out there and I'm competing. And if there's a guy that may be a step or two behind right off the bat, and I've got someone else that I want to bring in, and I don't want to look. I don't want to make this about Chris Jones because I know we we revert back to yeah, talking yeah. about Chris Jones a lot. But the model was was, was potential. I mean, he had these guys. Uh, and at a point where even when he wasn't here, they were still competing for Grey Cups, right? He did or some things right, play. let's yeah. be honest. Yeah, so one of the things that you saw with Chris Jones's thing is got new guys getting brought in, Yeah. right? So you can't necessarily, I mean, J.O.'s on the phone. He's, 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 he's figuring guys out. He's getting guys in line. Well, have that battle of attrition. Yeah. Identify the guys that you know aren't going to be part of that depth solution and go out and bring in the other guys that may get a look. Yeah. You know, one of the guys that I think that we had a really um, um, a good success in doing that is um, the old running back, Anthony uh, Allen. Anthony Allen. He was a guy they brought in late, right? And and there's there's been all sorts of guys. But again, you can't bring any guys in late if you're not competing for the first two That's days. Good point. Because then, then you know, right? And I'll tell you what, the other the other teams. And I talked to I talked to certain guys around the league, right? Edmonton's going hard, right? BC's yeah. going hard. So again, it's a different approach, and we have to take that wait and see. But are is Ryder Nation going to be patient to wait and see? 
because this team was six and twelve last year. Yeah, well, that's right. the thing. And, and when you talk like this before we go to break, that's what I hear. We're not. We're and and and, and I think we both said we have some optimism about this team, and we still do. That hasn't. Waned. I think there's great potential. Yeah, they, it hasn't waned the first two days. But let, we're not talking about a fifteen and three bomber team that's played in the last three Grey Cups. If they're coming to camp and you know they're competing, it's not like okay, we got a couple of spots to fill. We can just kind of no. You, no, we, it's a totally different thing here. Yeah, there's a ton of guys here that, again, theoretically shouldn't be feeling like they have a guaranteed spot on the There's team. not. There's maybe five or six at yeah. the top of your head. Right. So I just think that, yeah, I just, I, I'm going to take the optimistic approach. Hopefully things pick up Wednesday and Thursday, right? right? You, you start getting really competitive, and then maybe maybe at the end of the day you say, yeah, we do have enough film, right? Maybe the guys that they have on their quote unquote waiting list to get into camp once they maybe maybe they have guys that they've already identified that they were going to cut and they've made up their mind and no no amount of film was going to change that mm -hmm. right if that's the case maybe right so yeah it's just yeah it's very different The rookies, newcomers, and vets battle for spots on the team. 620 CKRM is here every step of the way. This is the Sports Cage with Michael Ball, live in Saskatoon at Riders Training Camp. Well, I probably have a better chance of broadcasting from Bangladesh. I'm not going to lie to you here. <laughs> live from Saskatoon. Love the facility. The absolute Wi-Fi and Internet connection here is hot garbage. It's absolute garbage. It's been hot garbage since I've done Ram games here. Yeah. So I apologize for us dropping out. Before we get to our interview with Trevor Harris, you had a quick comment on what you've seen from him so far, Luke. What I've seen from him is, is, is he's a guy you can tell that is used to moving the sticks. right? He's a guy that is used to having uh, a certain amount of success, and I think that out here, uh, I, I I got no problem with him so far. The way he gets his guys in and out of the huddle, uh, he's just like the rest of the quarterbacks here. But his 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 assimilation into the playbook will be a lot quicker. But he is learning a new offense. More importantly, he's got to get used to new receivers and new running backs. He's got to figure out you know where, what the strengths of yeah. his offensive line are. So I think that right now he's everything that that is that um, is. He's everything that's advertised, right? Um, I think we're going to see a little bit better in mm -hmm. terms of execution from him as the days go on. Yeah. Like, I see Trevor Harris going, continuing to go up, and while some of the other quarterbacks either either plateau or, or, or maybe take a dip, right? Yeah. That's what the younger quarterbacks tend to do is they get up to a certain level and then they just sort of plateau out. I think Trevor Harris will just, by the time this camp's over, I think he'll be ready to roll. Well, and also we talked about them kind of going through the motions the first couple of days. I think when, well, the, when, the, when the pads are on and the intensity's up, that's that, when I'm going to see how it would be. But that's the other thing, right? When you're coming out here and you know that you're really not going to be compet competing at a high level until, you know, an hour and a half, your, men your mentality sort of switches, right? Yeah. If you know, hey, from the jump, as soon as stretch is done, you're jumping right into team period, that gets the competitive juices yes. going, man. That, especially a guy like Trevor Harris, he's probably salivating over that opportunity, yeah. right? But when you sort of, when you when you kind of do individual drills the whole practice and then, you know, special teams periods are elongated and then you do a couple controlled 12-on-12 12 12 drills, you don't really activate your competitive mindset. And I think that that mindset is a huge advantage for Trevor Harris when it comes to the rest of the quarterbacks in the room. He didn't 
meet with the media today, but he did yesterday. Let's hear from Trevor Harris. Oh, it was awesome. The energy was awesome. Defense flying around, offense flying around. It's always fun to you know get those first few reps with running new offense and new scheme and uh, getting the timing with the guys down and, and just the really the details. And so uh, a lot of fun. You can see and feel the potential out there. You know the the almost big plays that were happening and uh, those are the things that you know really iron out and happen as camp goes on so we've got a tremendous group i'm excited yeah entirely new offense and uh personnel and as well as scheme and schemes very very different you know so timing is always going to be different spacing and all that stuff and so uh it's going to be a lot of fun I, you can just really feel the potential out here and um yeah i've been around this league quite a while and so uh this group's got me fired up oh it's awesome happy mother's day to all the amazing mothers out there and uh, they're the true superheroes. People don't realize, you know, the strength that you know, women, you know, really have in terms of, you know, the, the child labor and they're immediately on their feet, you know, they're feeding the kids and waking up at night. And I've got a superhero mom and, and wife. So uh, I'm just super, super thankful and um, super grateful for all the, the women out there that, you know, are mothers. And so just really, really happy and happy Mother's Day to them all. I actually know uh, some of the people from 2016. She uh, battled cancer and beat cancer and uh, so did my mom. And so they actually bonded over social media and um, remember them uh, just very dearly. She had childhood cancer and she uh, quite a warrior and uh, so yeah just her name's Paige Hansen. She was awesome awesome lady and uh, just getting to know them during that year and I've kept in touch with them ever since and now it's kind of come full circle where they finally get the cheer from my team too. Yeah yeah I have a great admiration for Jake. Uh, look up to him in a lot of personal ways in terms of you know the man that he is and the man of Christ that he is and so we have a great bond over that and not only that is he's a tremendous football player and getting to play with Darrell for a little bit in 2021 um, and then watching him uh, last year as the year went on get stronger and stronger and, and start looking like that D-walk that everybody uh, you know was like that dominant force and so uh, we're really looking for for him to have a tremendous year and uh, to come out and show everybody who he really is and, and the other guys have got me super fired up too. Sam uh, can really run and Mitch uh, tracks the ball insanely well you know and you've got tremendous guys you know in terms of inside with Braden who has untapped potential out there and then Sean Bain who I think is going to be a candidate for breakout player of the year this year and so we've got quite a few guys that are get, uh, get all Rider Nation excited. Yeah yeah it, it's nothing you can force if you try and force it it's like you try and force a relationship you know you try and force a girl to go out with you you can't you know you just let it happen you know and so uh that's one of those things that you're going to happen organically and we're going to learn each other's speed and timing and, and routes and uh angles of routes and whatnot and so yeah it's it's one of those things that'll build pretty quickly um we did a great job getting here uh you know getting some work in early together and getting some you know meeting time and getting to hear each other talk and getting to know each other's stories so it'll expedite the process but it's always a process i think it's just about being the same guy every day and I think a lot of times in leadership, people try and, you know, emulate, you know, what Tom Brady does or try and emulate, you know, who Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts or the great leaders of today are. But really what it comes down to is being yourself. And so if you're not authentic, uh, people see through that. And so it just, it's one of those things that happens over time. You got to just continue to press on, be who you are every single day, uh, because if you're not, then, you know, it comes off as phony. And, you know, I'm sure there's some examples of that around the world, but uh, it's all about just being, just being who you are every day. I, I got to work on my wolf yeah. call here. That's after the Lydia, everyone. Yeah. Early in the workout, lightheartedly doing air guitar, and then like 10 seconds later, there's a big bellowing, let's go. Mm -hmm. How does that switch get flipped from kind of easy going to let's mean business? Yeah, it's it's more or less about, you know, understanding when, when it's time to turn it on and turn it off. And I have fun out here, but at the same time, when it's time to work, it's time to work. And that's kind of just something that, you know, I think this team is, is going to embody this year is we're going to have a heck of a lot of fun. 
Um, we're gonna be we're gonna be entertaining the fans. We're gonna be great to the fans. But when we're in between those white lines, it's uh, it's go time. And our mindset is they gotta see us for four quarters. And so we're gonna be coming out uh, just swinging all you. As a veteran quarterback, do you feel like it's a responsibility to kind of say let's go and just make sure everybody's tuned in? Like nobody could not miss that screen. Yeah, yeah. It's more or less just about you know everybody understanding the timing of when. You know, it's, it's time to have fun, but it's also when it's time to lock in. And when the coach just says, hey, we're going over the script, it's no more time for air guitar. You know, it's time to, to get to work. What's it like adjusting to somebody new snapping the ball to you? Um, that's always been something that has been interesting, you know, through the years. Some guys, like, really throw, like, fast snaps back. If you watch Jalen Hurts, actually, he gets in, like, a really big stance. And it's because Kelsey, when he snaps the ball, he snaps it super fast. And I've heard him talk about it, but uh, Peter is great and he's throwing softballs back there I just get to catch him and not really think about it because most of the time centers will say where was that snap at and most of the time I don't know it's because you just subconsciously catch it and you pass it off as a reflexive. How do you develop? I feel like you've already built chemistry kind of with Peter on day one. Yeah him and I actually got to ride to Saskatoon and back we talked quite a bit about uh, football life hearing his story and uh, just getting to know each other and he's a heck of a guy he loves football and uh, so we're going to bond quite a bit uh, talking through protections and run game and um, you know, when, you know, it's time for me to override them and me to listen to him during a game and because um, I know he watches a ton of film and uh, to me just about like cadence is about them understanding, you know, what your voice is. That is uh, Trevor Harris uh, yesterday at the camp day one, uh, obviously practicing today, but not available to the media. We will catch up with Mason Fine, though, and Jake Dolagala. He's going to be our one to watch from practice today. That and much, much more with uh, Luke Mulder. I'm Michael Ball, live from Griffith Stadium, here on your voice of Rough Riders Football, 620 CKRM. 3.32 with your sports ticker. It's a quiet night in the sports world. Just a couple of notes. Of course, a big game seven tonight in the NHL. The Seattle Kraken in Dallas against the Stars. That's a 6 p.m. puck drop. And the Toronto Blue Jays, they're coming off a nice sweep at home against the Atlanta Braves. They start off a series tonight at home against the New York Yankees. Each week, the sports cage highlights a coach making a difference both on and off the playing surface. This is the Coach of the Week. Head coach of the University of Regina Rams, Mark McConkey. Mark, the CFL draft has come and gone. So what's the feeling like on your end on draft day? It kind of must feel like watching your kids on the first day of school. Proud moment for the head coach? Sure, yeah, just a proud moment of the program. Um, to have four guys drafted in the top four rounds is uh, pretty special. And again, all those guys are super diverse, well, deserving. Um, they've done a great job, and they've, they've worked for it for a number of years. I know example, like Jackson Fort, he's been, even we recruited him back in 2017, his goal is one important thing to him was, I want a chance to go pro. Um, so to see a guy like that, Josh White, I mean, all of them, get, get their name called on draft night and now see him in camp, few weeks later is uh, pretty special for them and pretty special for the program. Rough Riders training camp underway up in Saskatoon and I know fans are excited about Jackson Ford as a rider. So when Jackson came in as a Ram, was he a player that showed right away that he had next level potential or did it kind of come through growth throughout the years? Uh, he definitely came in uh, with the potential to play pro. Obviously he's gotten a lot better. Uh, he's got physically bigger. Uh, his football IQ is really uh, developed over the last five years with us but he, he some guys have it and he definitely had it from uh, from a young age and um, again that's why he started as a true freshman for us 
Yeah. Regina Rams 2023 schedule is out. What do you like about uh, this year's schedule? Anything that comes to mind? No, it's, a, it's the same old Can West schedule. You play yeah. a couple teams twice, and but I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I know I had a few people text me and say, hey, like, why do you guys have the hardest schedule? You play all three other playoff teams twice, and you only play the non-playoff teams once. And I said, that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you got to beat the best teams uh, day in, day out, and week in, week out. So we're excited uh, for the challenging schedule, and, yeah, we're just excited for the new year. And Obviously, our defense is going to be a little bit a new look defense with losing all four of those guys, but we're, we're excited to see what our young guys can do, and it's kind of the next man up mentality. Yeah, and I love how altogether there are five home games at Mosaic Stadium. You have one preseason, uh, four regular season, and the regular season home opener is set for Friday, September 1st, which is uh, Balsy's birthday, by the way, versus uh, the UBC Thunderbirds. And I uh, can't wait to see you guys on the field. Thanks for your time today, Mark. Appreciate it. For sure. Thanks for having me. Head coach of the U of R Rams, Mark McConkie, your coach of the week inside the sports cage. Live from Griffith Stadium in Saskatoon for the Riders training camp, it's the sports cage with Michael Ball on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to sunny Saskatoon on the uh, site of the U of S. It's uh, the Griffith Stadium. Michael Ball, Luke Mulder from one of the booths up here and uh, getting set for uh, the second half an hour of the show. If you want to text in, you can 936-6262 and Zinger can pass those texts on. Brought to you by the Capital Auto Group. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. All right, so uh, in terms of... um, the quarterbacks, we talked about uh, Trevor Harris, um, and we'll get into Jake Dolagala a little later on, but Mason Fine is a guy that, uh, you know, he comes in here as the perceived number two, at least on the depth chart. I think so far, though, Jake Dolagala uh, overall has been right there as one of the guys to watch so far this uh, in the first two days. Dolagala? Yeah. Yeah, Dolagala. We referenced him in that Rider Rewind uh, yeah. that we did is that his problem, I think, is, is consistency, yep. right? He's up and down, um, but the characteristics and the arm strength, that it's all there. He for can him. use he's the got, whole field. He's yeah. got all the tools. Yeah. I, I mean... Last year, he's a giraffe, right? You got yep. a giraffe out there. Of course, yep. he's going to see. Yep. He like Tommy Stevens yeah. in Calgary, yeah. Yeah. So I think that for him, if he can manage to get his consistency in terms of his accuracy down pat, I think that he's got a really, really good job or opportunity, excuse me, of winning that two spot. Because I do agree with Coach Dickinson. I'm glad that he referred to it. Like, it should be an open competition there. We do need to figure out um, who the guy is going to be to back up Trevor Harris. Did you watch? Did you uh, get a chance to watch much of Shea Patterson today and yeah, Levi, Levi yeah. Lewis, the lefty? Well, uh, lefty Lewis, they're not bad, right? They they don't have, they don't get as much reps, but um, I, I don't think... The nice part about camp right now, and, and again, it's been very limited competitive Competitively, but at least you're not saying, "Oh no, this kid doesn't have it," right? Like you're, you're, right now. I wouldn't say that Dol Gala is head over, head and shoulders over yeah. Mason Fine, Shea Patterson. I think yeah. it's a little bit closer than than probably Dol Gala would like, um, especially if you base it off what we saw here today. You know, uh, and we'll hear his interview a little later on in our one to watch for uh, Specs by Ryan after 5 o'clock. But, you know, he knows that he can make all the throws in terms of arm strength. He did say the rules last year 
uh, and picking up on the rules and, and everything that goes with Canadian football really uh, stunted him a bit in terms of uh, processing and getting the ball out and things like that. Right. So he, he feels that's a little better. But I think, mm-hmm. Luke, in football, and we know that because, look, teams are still kicking the tires on Andrew Luck. Right. guy's been retired for four years, <laughs> right? Know. Right. So if you're a six foot seven guy in the CFL, no disrespect to Jake Dolagala and no disrespect to this league because there are good football players in this league. I'm sitting by a former great football player. But you're in this league for a reason, and maybe it is consistency with – He's the guy that bounced around the NFL a lot. Up and lot. down with the passes, yeah. right? And and you in this league, you got to move the sticks. you got to move the sticks. Yep. you got to move the sticks. Especially when you got two downs. Yeah. Right? That, that's the thing about, I think that what you always got to remember is that you can have all the athletic ability in the world, but can you A, absorb a playbook, right, a professional playbook, and yeah. B, as a quarterback, make the throws, move the sticks, do what you need to do, get guys in and out of the huddle, right? So, and I get it, I get it. That's probably a, a challenge that everybody has is all learning the rules and stuff. But that's the thing, everybody has that challenge, right? Mason Fine has that challenge, Shea Patterson has that challenge. So, you, there are elements and things that you can control, and that's where your study comes in. That's where, I mean, we've been talking about the fact that it's a new playbook, but Dole Gala and and Mason Fine, I mean, they spent all last season with Kelly Jeffrey, right? Yeah. Probably tossing ideas back and forth during practice. Kelly Jeffrey probably has a really good understanding of what those guys bring to the table. So you've got to come out here, and, and, and you've, got to, you've got to find some way to separate yourself. But, uh, again, for Dole Gala, I, I do think it's just going to be that consistency, right? Because he yeah. spends some time. That's the thing. He's, he'll, he'll miss a couple throws. He'll overthrow a, co- a couple balls. But then he'll make one throw that you're like, oh, yeah. Okay. That's yeah, 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 yeah. There's so, a guy. He's got yeah. potential. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the interview with Mason Fine, what does he need to do to solidify himself as the number two guy? He needs to do what he's doing because 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 uh, he had a good day out here, I thought. Yeah. Um, he doesn't do anything spectacularly, but he doesn't. he also doesn't. Do anything bad or wrong, spectacular. What a backup should be, right? Yeah, he's, he's what a backup should be, right? Comes in, makes the throws. He can, he can, uh, he can control the huddle. I, I thought he did fine today. I thought that he went out there and and he got a little bit more reps comparatively to today uh, yeah. in some of those competitive practices. I think it's gonna, but that's again, I think that that's why we're sort of sitting here wanting more because we know what competition is out there and we know we want to see it. So thankfully tomorrow, I feel like tomorrow you and I are going to be sitting here tossing a million ideas back and forth about what we thought of practice versus, oh, I wish we saw more. Yeah, that absolutely. let's hope it goes that way. But that's the thing. When you do limited reps, right, when yeah. you have limited reps in the competitive practices, you got to remember that you got to dole out those reps to four quarterbacks, yeah. right? four or five quarterbacks. So it may be limited to me and you in terms of the overall reps. Now imagine yeah. the window for a guy who's fourth and fifth string, yeah. you know, like he might only get two, three throws. Yeah. Right? So those have to be good throws. Yeah, for Dol sure. Gala might get six throws, so to for, for Dol Gala, he can't overthrow four of those throws and make two really, really awesome ones. Yeah, like, for sure. work like that. All right, uh, before we go to break, let's hear from Mason Fine, a conversation I had with him yesterday. Here with Mason Fine. Mason, first day in the books. Uh, your thoughts? I think it went well. Uh, a lot of guys kind of came out and uh, knew the playbook. That's what, obviously, day one, you don't want to go 100 miles an hour for a lot of plays. You just kind of want to ease into it, and uh, that's kind of what we did. Uh, Coach Dickey and the staff took a good, uh, took a good job of care taking care of us uh, with the amount of plays but other than that you know guys weren't messing up we didn't have a whole lot of missed assignments obviously we'll go back and watch film and see the small details we can fix but overall 
just coming off practice felt good. Chemistry was good. The morale was good, and I, I like where we're at right now on day one. And how about you? Yeah, I like where I'm at uh, with the playbook. Didn't really do a whole lot of thinking today. Um, obviously, I'll go back and watch film. I think I missed missed one throw, but all my decisions. Well, obviously, we will have to go back and look. But I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with the decisions we made. Seeing the defense, and that's what I've been telling everyone. Just getting one year better. You know, obviously, my rookie year. You came in year two, you want to make that step. Now it's year, year two to year three. I'm going to learn as much as I can from these older guys and these vets and uh, try to get one year better and be the best quarterback I can be for this so team. How do you get one year better? Like, What's your personal mindset going into this thing? I think it is um, being more confident with the playbook, playing fast, seeing what the defense is trying to do, um, You know, have a high uh, completion percentage, get first downs, and put points up, uh, and just and – just, um, Make the right play every single time. I don't want it. No turnovers, no busts, no missed throws. It's really, it's really in all areas of being a quarterback. Just taking just a little bit of uh, a step in every single area of being a quarterback. Mason, talk about the chemistry with your new offensive coordinator and how this offense looks a little bit different. Yeah, I, I, I love Coach uh, Kelly. He was here last year. We had a great relationship last year and throughout offseason and during rookie camp and the early uh, training camp. Uh, we already have a great relationship. It's awesome. I love playing for him. He likes to joke around. Uh, just whatever. Just a great relationship between the coaches and the players. Um, I love the offense he's putting in. I feel like we can uh, be explosive, put a lot of points up, and I'm excited as as we go on having actually a full training camp this first year. Um, you know, installs will go on, but I'm excited for what the future brings, and we got a lot of great players and coaches around to make it happen. Now we know that uh, Trevor was brought in to be quote unquote QB one, although he says I got to earn that right. Um, in, in terms of you, you're looking at this. Uh, this is your 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 second the second job, yours to lose, yours to win. How you looking at that? I think uh, just come in here and and, and uh, focus on you. Control what you can control. Uh, you're only going to get a certain amount of reps, and you're only going to get maybe go with the ones and the twos and threes. However, the coaches decide. But at the end of the day, you got to focus on your reps and what you're doing as a quarterback. Once you start looking at oh, how's Trevor doing, or how are the guys behind me doing, that's when you kind of mess up. I think mentally. So. Um, Honestly, I'm coming in here, um, focused on my reps and being the quarterback I am, I was, uh, in college in these first couple of years in the CFL, and like I said, making that step. And uh, at the end of the day, control what you can control and then let the chips fall where they may and let the coaches decide at the end of the day. You and Cody worked in tandem. Now it's you and Trevor with the other guys here. But uh, your relationship with Trevor Harris so far? It's been good. Um, obviously, you're always kind of a little bit of um, – not necessarily nervous, but you're always kind of um, anxious about are the are the personalities going to match up? Are we going to get along? You know, you want to have a great relationship, with, especially with the Trevor, who's been in the year uh, the the league for I think his twelfth year now. So you want to be able to have a good relationship and be able to learn from the guy. So so we we came in early uh, before rookie camp and training camp. We had like a weekend together. We hung out all weekend. You know, ate, did some uh, practices, and we've already kind of developed on a great relationship. It's a great start. It's a great foundation. Uh, we don't butt heads. Thank, you know, thank goodness. So we get along. We're good friends. And he's already taught me so long, uh, so much when it comes to the playbook, but also like weight room, taking care of yourself, making sure you're ready for practice so you can perform uh, to a high level. That's neat to hear. So uh, you've got some different weapons. Winnicky, uh, Lenius is back now, wearing old 84. Just talk about some of these uh, weapons, uh, not only in the backfield, but uh, in the receiving core. Yeah. Um, Obviously, they have all the talent in the world, but I think what's going to be the biggest difference is the personalities, the the quarterback, the receiver relationship that we're all going to have. It's a great group of guys in there um, as being men, but also great playmakers and, and great receivers. I think it's that's going to help us in the long run. It's having that high morale. We all enjoy being around each other. We're always laughing, you know. So the personalities really 
um, mesh well together, but out here on the field, they're going to make plays, and um, hopefully you've seen a little bit of today. Um, knock off the rust, but then uh, start making some plays, and I'm excited for all those new guys, uh, you know, Winnicky, uh Bain, and all the, all the new guys. I mean, we have so many good weapons, and I'm excited for us to just spread them around and play fast and be explosive. That's, that's what we're preaching right now. And lastly, day one of training camp, is it's, it's in a collection of home opener, uh, home playoff game, maybe Grey Cup. It's like it, it, the juices are here. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's got a smile on their face. Right. Right. Yeah, we got uh, we came in. We're going to work hard, but we got high expectations for ourselves. And especially coming off uh, kind of a disappointing year last year, we're hoping to turn that around. And uh, Coach Dickey's been preaching, you know, we're, we're going to focus on excellence. We're not going to worry so much about the outcomes or the wins. We're going to focus on doing our job every single day and excelling in every single area of a football player. And then we'll let the, the wins uh, – uh, end where they may, but honestly, we do have high expectations, and we got a lot of big and uh, a lot of a lot of goals. Thanks for this, buddy. All right, thank you. And that's Mason Fine joining me yesterday after day one. We're going to hear from uh, Jake Dolagala. I caught up with him today. He's our one to watch in. Uh, Camp as we'll have one of those highlighted for specs by Ryan uh, during training camp here from Saskatoon. When we come back, uh, I want to talk about something that's going on with Luke away from the field, and also I ran into a great young fan with an interesting story, and I know he's listening. He said he'd be listening today. This is the Sports Cage live from Training Camp 2023 on 620 CKRM. As the rookies, newcomers, and vets battle for spots on the team. 620 CKRM is here every step of the way. This is the Sports Cage with Michael Ball live in Saskatoon at Riders Training Camp. Let's try this again. Got a text from Leonard Leafs fan. He said, hey, you're an Oilers fan. You're making fun of us. You're a Leafs fan, Luke. Yeah. Well, uh, it's your thoughts. Because you texted me. Yeah. Said, what did you text me? Tell okay, us. look, I'm going to admit it. And I think Leonard understands this, too. As a Leafs fan, we weren't beating either of the either of those two teams. Vegas or Oilers, yeah. Yeah, those. But like, we're just we're not there yet. We we're, we do too much. I don't know if it's Sheldon Keefe just overthinking everything or or doing what the young guys do these days and coming up with some airbrained stat that affects the whole game. But like, we don't shoot at the puck. Well, I mean, sorry, we don't shoot at the net. We don't crash the net. Like, we always try to make some fancy extra pass or some fancy. I was watching the first period, and I saw four shots, and I remember in my mind thinking, oh, yeah, the Leafs wouldn't have even shot those. The Leafs would have mm-hmm. would have tried to make a move on it, right? Like, yeah. We're, we're just we're not there yet. I think the Oilers are there. Like, I'd rather be an Oiler fan at this moment in juncture because, like you said when we were talking off air, like, I don't think the Oilers got to do anything to rebuild. They got to do a couple of things, but I mean. Not, I, the Leafs got to. We got to do a lot of things. Yeah. We got to. Yeah. There's a lot of things. Yeah. Like, and it starts with Keith. Yeah. Dupas. <laughs> Shanahan. <laughs> Marner. <laughs> Like yeah. Tavares, yeah. Like we got issues. Yeah. Okay. Hey, th- speaking of issues, you got some issues up north with fires, and you're yeah. busy doing that at the Red Cross. I just wanted yeah. to put things in perspective while we're talking about sloppiness on a practice field. We're, we love football; it gives us a break, love but uh, also things going up north that you're busy with. I know you've been yeah. thinking a lot about that. Yeah, the Red Cross is supporting Metal Lake Tribal Council right now. The Metal Lake Tribal Council is uh, has evacuated a couple of uh, communities, uh, Buffalo River um, being. One one of them and and right and they're evacuated
evacuated to Lloydminster, so the community is being cared for out there. Um, there's a lot of adversity right now in sort of the northern middle part around uh, Hall Lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a, there's a ton of fires going on right now, and and unfortunately we're in May. Right? Yeah, it's a little ahead of schedule. Yeah, unfortunately. exactly. Yeah. You know, but fortunately we have some really good partnership uh, agreements, and uh, and and we collaborate with both the Prince Albert Grand Council and and Meadow Lake Tribal Council, so that we don't have to do the 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 really hard stuff in terms of getting funding because as you see in Alberta there's an appeal right now from the Red Cross and from a lot of other organizations asking for funds because the, they don't have those partnerships set up so um, in a way we're we're really fortunate enough to be able to walk alongside these operations as community leads them um, but you know it's just it's unfortunate because I can't imagine the stress um, that that an evacuation would cause um, and there's all sorts of obviously issues that that arise when you're asked yeah. to evacuate it's just not an easy time for anybody and now the Red Cross in Saskatchewan for instance we got to split up our operations if we have to respond in two yeah. areas so that involves some some logistical work on our behalf trying to figure out what, what which staff we can get from out of the province maybe if we can't find staff or volunteers in the province to come in and help us out yeah. so well, a lot going on I want to give a shout out to Blaze Dunn he's a nine-year-old Rough Rider fan guy was uh, born with some club feet has some vision issues talked to his mom and dad uh, just had spine surgery okay now I don't I'm not a doctor I don't know all the details and remember I'm talking to this kid on a sunny day beside a football field but he's got a uh, a picture of Frankie Hicks, and he's got a Hickson jersey on. Frankie went to see him in the hospital here, the children's hospital. He just had surgery. Um, he got hit by a pickup truck, too. This dude Jeez. won't take morphine. The, uh, uh, he's just taking Tylenol. Typical Saskatchewan yeah, kid. Tough, just tough. Sask tough. Tough, tough yeah. kid, and he's out here watching practice, smiling on his face. I want to give a shout-out yeah. to Blaze Dunn and his family. Well, and and I, I, I saw the commotion, and yeah. I thought I thought there was a celebrity in the house, and it turns out it was, was Blaze. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad yeah. he came out. To, and that's the best part of having uh, practice in Saskatoon, too, right? Yeah. Like, you expose the team to other people. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I can't imagine the, the adversity that he goes through on the day-to-day. Definitely yeah. tougher than myself. Um, oh, and me too. But, yeah, we're so, huffing and puffing coming up oh, these I stairs. I know we're exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> this is literally like two stories high, and we're exhausted getting into the. We're thing. working hard, though. We're working hard. We're working hard. You got to tell everybody we're working oh, hard. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, we're working hard. Man. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We're gonna take a, just trying to keep our, hey, ourselves hey, on the air. Hey, listen. Yeah. Hey, listen. There's one thing that we're not gonna slough. It's, it's work. That's we're, right. We're, we're gonna grind. To we're yeah. gonna we're gonna grind, man. We're gonna grind for sure. Okay. Coming up on the other side, we're gonna hear from a guy Luke really likes in camp so far, Amari Henderson. We're also gonna hear from Devin Jones, who could be an interesting figure in the Riders' secondary and their return game because he's a very athletic, smaller DB. We will be back with more of the Sports Cage. We encourage your texts at 936-6262. Keep them coming. You can ask us some questions. We'll try to answer those for you. Uh, And, uh, yeah, we'll be back in sunny Saskatoon after the 4 o'clock news package here on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. 
Welcome back to Saskatoon, Griffith Stadium in the broadcast booth with Luke Molitor. I'm Michael Ball. I just want to give a little uh, disclaimer. We're having a bit of Wi-Fi connections. We'll get that cleaned up tomorrow. So if we do drop out, uh, don't worry. We'll be uh, right back uh, to it here. It's nothing on our end. It's uh, just the infrastructure here at Griffith Stadium. All right. So uh, we are taking your text at 936-6262 for the Capital Auto uh, Group, and uh, do the Riders have any guest coaches this year? Uh, if so, who is it? I didn't. I didn't look at the. Uh, well, see they've they... got a couple guys. Um, I and uh, I know the defensive line's working with one of the guest coaches. Let's get the names and stuff for tomorrow. Yeah, but, I'll uh, get them for tomorrow. Linebackers are, uh, but uh, I think that uh, the probably the the coach of. of of obviously that everybody will know is is Naaman Roosevelt. Yes, here, right? he's back, nice but he's him he's the Swiss Army team. knife. Yeah. Uh, he'll be helping out mostly with receivers. You've got Drew Tate helping out now as the receivers. Yeah, coach. which is cool. Yeah. I haven't talked to Drew yet, but uh, I haven't seen Drew in a long time. But um, again, the more the more experience you can surround some of these young guys with, the better, right? And of course, new offensive line coach and Vitali, and you got Cowsett as the D line coach. And so I want to ask you about that. You got players having to prove themselves. What about coaches yeah, having to prove you themselves? You, you don't have the same relationship. Right, you got new. You said that. Hey, listen. So I'm. I'm going to be honest with you, man. There's a. So safe to say, we had a really successful year last year with Ben Olson as the defensive line coach. Great line, and they didn't want to lose him. No, very different coaching styles to this point. Um, Del Cowsett, and maybe there's an emphasis on stopping the run, but spent a lot of time working on foundational things like defensive line get-off. I mean, you see, you'll still see some of the bag drills, but not as much hand activation and things that uh, I saw Ben Olsen doing with this team right. um, consistently. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how some of those those experienced guys react to that, right? Like, so for instance, I, I with a guy like Anthony Lanier... Ben Olsen essentially just unleashed his athletic potential. Right. Right? Um, does Del Cowsett now get in there and, and does he ask to maybe, you know, hold off on the athleticism and maybe get a little bit more fundamental, right? Like those are there's there's always different coaching philosophies that you have to get used to with different coaches. What what kind of philosophy or what kind of style did you like when you played? Uh, the best defensive line coach that I ever had in my nine year career was in my last year in Montreal with Mike St. Clair. He's a he's a Seattle yep. Seahawks Hall of yep. Famer. But he was just incredible at I, I, I really wish you know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but I really wish I had him when I was younger because he he built such an incredible foundation for his his defensive lineman that he has there, and and he he holds you accountable. We weren't held accountable a lot of the times when I, with some of the different defensive line coaches. I, I thought I thought actually that uh, that a guy like Mike Shepard um, did a good job because at least he would he would demand a certain evaluation uh, uh, that was that was along the same lines for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean. I really liked my first defensive line coach, um, Ron Este, when when I when I got drafted. Um, did but when I saw a guy like St. Clair, I really realized, oh my gosh, like there's yeah. a whole nother level. That's why I started looking into coaching and just sort of what goes into it and what type of because I I I, I enjoyed my year with St. Clair so much, and um, so yeah, there's you're always going to have different philosophies and different drills and 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 the stuff that Del Cow, Coach Cows is is doing. Is 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 uh, you can notice the difference. Yeah. Now on the offensive line, look, I, it's not just me being a grumpy defensive lineman, but you know, 
Hippos are hippos, right? Like yeah. they just they'll they'll plot around and do yeah. your hand drills and foot yeah. drills and stuff like that. There's not much things that you can do for that's different. And I think one of the reasons why is because offensive linemen you got to just you got to be a lot more you got to be a lot more intelligent, mm. um, right? You got to communicate a lot more. Yeah. Um, and and the technical fundamentals of being an offensive lineman are just so crucial in terms of your steps, in terms of your hand placement and where right, like yeah. those drills never look too different. Mm-hmm. It's the D line line drills that often look like a very different approach depending on who you are. I'll get Luke's comments about uh, this next man we're gonna hear from after we hear from him. It's our own Blaine Wyland in conversation with number sixteen, defensive back Amari Henderson. Hey, I'm Blaine Wyland, joined with number 16 of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Amari Henderson. And Amari, I guess to start off with, uh, just get your thoughts about uh, the first two, day, two days of camp so far. First two days of camp, man. It's been a great two days, man, just getting acclimated back on this field, getting acclimated back on the turf, and just being able to fly around with the guys, man. So it's been a great two days, man. I'm feeling good, body feeling good, confidence level up there, so I'm feeling good, man. Uh, yesterday, uh, Coach Dickinson uh, mentioned you as one of the players that stood out. Was that something you felt important, you know, on the first day, you know, to establish a presence at camp? Yeah, I just wanted to prove something to myself, you know, uh, especially coming off last year, being my first year. Um, so I wanted to prove something to myself this year, just trying to come in and just play at a high intensity, high level, and just come out here and just have fun for the most part. What were your thoughts about your uh, first season with the Rough Riders? Uh, joined the team or joined the roster in July and has spent a lot of time throughout the season uh, in, the, in the secondary. Just wanted to get your thoughts about that. Uh, I'm pretty hard on myself, so uh, my expectations were were pretty high. But uh, knowing that it was my first year, it's a whole new game, you know, coming from down south. So trying to get acclimated to the rules, the field is bigger. So um, you know, I got a, a leg up this year, knowing when I'm knowing what to expect as far as you know the rules and just the field and everything like that. So I feel a little bit more comfortable coming back up this second year. Can you talk about a little bit more of those expectations you have for yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, just really just being consistent and just having an impact on the field, making plays. Um, yeah, just really just being consistent and having high production this year. That's really my expectations for myself. Throughout the winter, the Rough Riders uh, went back, uh, I guess, to last year's secondary. A lot of guys re-signed, Nick Marshall, uh, Roland Milligan, yep. Jeremy Clark. What were your thoughts when you see those guys uh, re-signed uh, with the team? It's always good to have familiar faces in the room because, uh, I mean, playing DB, you got to have chemistry, especially on this level. you got the waggle, you got the slide motions, everything like that. So communication is key. So having that chemistry and having guys that have been around each other for, for a good little minute always helps. So it's always good to sign guys back and have a room full of familiar faces. Is there a, uh, much of adjustment towards uh, playing halfback? I'm sure down south you played a lot of cornerback yeah. safety, but uh, halfback, they don't really have that yeah. in, in, except for a slot receiver's yeah. coverage. Mm-hmm. But is how much of adjustment is that for yourself? Yeah, it's pretty. it's, it's been a big adjustment because, like you said, I, I played corner down south, and the closest thing to halfback is nickel. I didn't really play nickel that much, but for me, I, I know I can cover guys. So as long as I feel comfortable covering guys, it really doesn't matter where they put me at in the secondary. What is the expectations of, you think, as the defense as a whole? Uh, a lot of, as we talked about the secondary, a lot of faces come back throughout the rest of the defense as well, uh, a lot of returning faces. You think there's a big expectation for the defensive unit this year? Yeah, like I was saying, um, it's, a, it's a big prove-it year to ourselves. You know, we just got to prove it to ourselves and just come out here every single day and just continue to put the work in and just stack days, man, and just be a, a high, intense um, physical defense that, that create turnovers and, and give the ball back to our offense. So we got a high expectation like we had last year. We came up kind of short. So this year we, we uh, got the ball rolling coming into the camp and we're just trying to continue to grow every single day. Just want to get your thoughts about the defensive line. Uh, I'm sure they're a defensive back's best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, man. So, you know, our defensive line is, is 
got a whole bunch of studs on there. We got Pete coming back. We got uh, Ant Lanier coming back. Uh, we got we got big number four, Michael Johnson coming back. I mean, we just signed Michael Johnson with number four. So our D-line, man, is, is good, man. So as long as we hold our end on the back end, the defensive line should eat. And they should. we also get rewarded, too, with a couple picks because of the defense line. So it, it works hand-in-hand, -hand, man. So we love those guys on the front end. So, yeah. Going back to the grind of, the, of training camp, I know one of the big things back in the playing days, when I even played football, one of the things they always talk about in uh, these situations is be the first guy in the line, get the most reps in practice. Is that still a big thing? Yeah, it, it's, it's a pretty big thing for the most part to just make sure you know what you're doing. So when anytime you get that opportunity, you make the best of every opportunity that you get. Uh, coming up to camp, you just want to talk about your journey up to camp. Like, where did you travel from? Yeah, so I'm coming from Charlotte, North Carolina. So it was probably like a five-hour, six-hour travel day for me. Um, about a two-hour flight to Toronto, uh, a little layover for a couple hours. Then uh, travel to Saskatoon was probably like a three, three hours and some change. So it, it wasn't that long. Got here around like 2 p.m. So I was able to chill, relax, and, and get off my feet for a little bit. So it wasn't taxing at all as far as the travel, but... You know, I, I'm just happy and enjoying my time here in Saskatoon. I know some guys drove up. Did you, ever yeah. did you consider it? Oh, no, man. I, I'm hearing guys driving 27 hours, 28 hours. I, I don't think I can stay in a car that long, man. So, nah, I'm cool on driving, driving 27, 28 hours. So we were talking, and that's uh, Amari Henderson with our own Blaine Weiland. Thanks to Blaine for doing some great work. Okay, so uh, we were talking to Roland Milligan, who we both love. He drove up. Now, he's in a, what, he's in a Lincoln Navigator, so it's not like he's driving uh, Scott Schultz's old little small car, Corolla, right? Corolla, yeah, yeah, right, right. But he drove 36 hours from Florida. He stopped in Atlanta and then just came right up here. Stopped in Atlanta, and yeah. then he drove 17 hours to Minnesota. And then came And here. then finished their own. Which is 14 hours here. Right. Oh, and actually, sorry, that's another 17 hours here. Man, uh, yeah, that's a journey. I remember I made the trip down and back from uh, Toronto one time, me and, but I did it with, with Fantuz. So we had, I had, uh, the way down was cool because we could share the driving responses or whatever. And then I remember I drove back by myself. Worst decision I could have made. <laughs> and that was only a 20. 28-hour trip. Before we go to break, quickly here, Amari Henderson, your thoughts on what you've seen I, from I, him so far? Yeah, my thoughts are Amari Henderson might mess around and have a breakout year this year. I think that he's probably moving the best out of all the DBs. I mean, his speed today during mm. the the one-on-one uh, -on -one and Skelly drills was on another level. And you, and the other thing you can tell about Amari Henderson right now is is he's in the second year with this, you know, second full year of this defensive system. Yeah. Had a whole year last year. Uh, he he understand like he referenced communication right like that yep. first group is going to really be on top of the communication thing they tried to lose him in certain routes today they yeah. tried to no he wasn't having any of it i think he like he was he was nullifying certain receivers they weren't even looking at him but just because of the way he was playing coverage so uh, again he keeps that up he continues to build stays healthy I think we got a good one over there at that uh, at that um, field side corner. When we come back, we'll go to our nation's capital, check in with the voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks, the first year under Bob Dice. It's the Ottawa Red Blacks in their training camp. You're listening to the Sports Cage from Saskatoon. Rider Training Camp 2023 on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. To the net, tipped in front, Marcioso scores! Rick score! Rebound in front, and Marcioso has his second! Out of the box, Yamamoto, back to four on four. Marcioso, score! It's a natural hat trick for Jonathan Marcioso in the second period, and Vegas leads four to two. 
And Vegas would go on to win at 5-2 to two, the final score and eliminate the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, I've been saying this, I think the Edmonton Oilers, they're one goaltender away from a Stanley Cup appearance. Stuart Skinner, let's be honest, just wasn't good enough. And the Edmonton Oilers, they fall four games to two to the Golden Knights. And Jonathan Marchessault, your sports cage clutch performer with that natural hat trick for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. The Sports Cage is your all-access pass for everything runners. And we've taken the show on the road to training camp. Back to the cage live in Saskatoon with Michael Ball on 620 CKRM. All right, let's uh, quickly head on the Western Pizza Hotline, speak with our friend uh, A.J. Jackie, the great uh, Play-by-play man for the Ottawa Red Blacks. AJ, uh, welcome to the show. It's great to be back. Another football season is upon us. What's it like in the nation's capital? The excitement and the uh, anticipation of the Bob Dice-led Red Blacks. Yeah, great to be with you again. And uh, I I think, I wouldn't say the excitement is there yet. I'm hoping that um, in the next couple of weeks uh, it starts to perk up a little bit. But it is great to have football season uh, back. We'll, we'll see if the fact that there's no Canadian Stanley Cup teams uh, left in, in the chase and with the weather uh, as nice as it is in the 20s again here today in Ottawa perks people's interest. But I think the, the reality here in Ottawa is after three consecutive seasons, you know, over four years with a, a COVID year uh, in between, where the team hasn't been very good, where the team has only won two home games, and has lost 23 of their last 24 at TD Place. There's a lot of fans that are waiting to see if this team's going to be any good this year before deciding they're going to put some money into it. So there's a lot of proving that has to go on here with the Red Blacks this year, and we'll see if they can uh, finally get back to respectability after three really bad seasons. What do you make of the roster from what you can see? It obviously starts at the quarterback with Masoli, uh, his health. Uh, does he cut, you know, how's he looking coming back 100%? Uh, and uh, just the rest of the roster, what do you make of it? I think they're better. I think they're deeper. But I, I can't sit here and promise that this is going to be a contender, that this is going to be a playoff team or anything like that because the, the quarterback situation is just so important. And there's just so many uncertainties within that situation, starting with Jeremiah Masoli and his health. Uh, you know, the, the fact that they're talking about week one as a maybe at this stage and the fact that he's probably not going to play in the preseason has to be a little bit concerning because Red Blacks fans have been through this before, uh, going back right after the pandemic with Matt Nichols. Now, two completely different quarterbacks, two completely different injuries, but... You know, that was a team that I I think even had a a lot of optimism going into the season, and all of a sudden they realized there's no quarterback, there's no season. So um, the the good news is there is a capable backup and a guy that is a capable starter. He just has to be a lot more consistent in Nick Arbuckle. Um, He's looked good at least at rookie camp. I, you know, truthfully, I was in Quebec City on the weekend and got back and kind of wearing a lot of hats, so my first day of main camp will be tomorrow, but I was at rookie camp, and I thought Nick Arbuckle looked really good there, uh, but, you know, he, he's going to have to put it together consistently if Jeremiah Masoli is out for any length of time, and so, uh, again, that's the biggest question mark for me going into the season. Look, I'm optimistic, 
but it's cautious optimism, especially when you've kind of been kicked around as the Red Blacks have the last few seasons. But I, I think I think they're better on the O line. Uh, you know, Drew Desjardins was a, a big signing in the off season in the interior of that offensive line. I mean, Hunter Stewart was a starter last year, and you know they're expecting him to be a backup this year. So that just goes to show how much depth they've got on the offensive line where they've re-signed Jacob Ruby. We'll see when Dante Bull's ready to go, uh, but he could push for a, a, Sparters, a starter spot right out of the gate here uh, coming off that injury at Fresno State. Um, receivers, a bit of a question mark for me. You look at uh, Jalen Acklin, I think they've got a pretty good one. You know, they've got a lot of question marks. So, again, Raylan Addison, real good receiver when he's healthy. Uh, it's going to take him some time to get off that Achilles injury. Um, you know, what about Shaq Evans? You guys would be able to answer that question probably even better than me, but I know when Shaq Evans is at his best, uh, he's a pretty damn good receiver in this game. Bray is another guy with some injury history that, uh, again, at his best, is a pretty good receiver. Um, and, and then we'll see on guys like Justin Hardy, who I think is ready to have a big season after five in the NFL, and he looked good towards the end of last season as well. Some good Canadians like Nate Bahar and Tavon Smith. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to go position by position on defense, but I do think they're better and deeper in particular in the secondary where veteran guys like Sherrod Baltimore and Abdul Kenna aren't even guaranteed to come back this year. So um, we'll see what, what happens, but I do think, again, position by position, they look better and deeper, but it all points back to the quarterback position because if that position isn't right, then it could be a long season again. Well, it's great to be talking to you once again, AJ. We'll check in, uh, you know, throughout the year. And, uh, yeah, enjoy camp tomorrow, okay? All right, you bet. Cheers. Take care. That's AJ Jakovic, voice of the Ottawa Red Blacks. It sounds all like this is kudos to the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, in terms of their fan base, they still, I oh, think they had the best man. fan base last year, with all due respect to Ryder Nation. Yeah. Uh, they, they had about 18,000 fans, and as you said, yeah. outside of Edmonton, they're the other fan base that's not winning. Uh, but this is a critical year for Bob Dice and that team from a business standpoint. They have to start winning some Well, games, here's you know? the thing, though. I mean, I mean, we're talking about sort of, you know, where the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have been logistically in terms of the way they've been practicing. I mean, there hasn't. I mean, that didn't sound glowing, so yeah. maybe we are on the right track. Yeah. Well, who knows? Yeah, it's, it's still early. We'll we'll be either really excited or disappointed tomorrow when they oh, get the pads on. I'm, I'm willing to bet we're going to be excited. I, I think can't we're going to be pumped up. I, I can't I wait. We're going to take a break and be back with more here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 431 inside the sports cage with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. A big game seven in the National Hockey League tonight. The Seattle Kraken taking on the Dallas Stars at 6 p.m. Saskatchewan time. The winner of that series, of course, will move on to the Western Conference Final to take on the Vegas Golden Knights. Over on the other side of the bracket, Eastern Conference Final, yes, it's the Carolina Hurricanes taking on the Florida Panthers. And if you're interested, there's some other hockey going on right now. The 2023 IIHF Men's World Championship. I know. Uh, Canada beat Slovakia today 2-1 to one in a shootout. The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. 
training camps happening across the nation. Our CFL report brought to you by our friends at Kevin's Marine in Fort Coupel. Um, make the most of the summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine. Check them out online, kevinsmarine.com. Go see them in person in Fort Coupel. Here in the broadcast booth with Luke Mullender. And Luke, we just heard from A.J. Jackiebeck of the Ottawa Red Blacks. We kind of touched on it. Uh, I actually thought Jeremiah Masoli would be back, but it sounds like very much in question. And if that's the case, no disrespect, but if Nick Arbuckle's your quarterback, wow. Like the Riders have a puncher's chance because they've got Trevor Harris. He's probably the third best quarterback in the league right now. And it looks like they got the makings of a solid offensive line, right? You got to find the tackles, but you got a couple guys that have played there. But yeah, first, I was stunned to hear that Masoli is, is a week one, maybe. I thought that he was going to get in here and at least get some camp in to where because they they need him. But the other question too is is if he does get in, I mean, when you say the words Jeremiah Masoli, you don't think Peyton Manning, you think more Michael Vick, right? Yeah. Like, so how effective is it, how effective is he going to be with the way he plays the game, right? Hundred percent. Coming off a leg injury. Well, I just hope. Unless he's playing the Riders, Bob Dice has a wonderful year because that guy deserves it. Bob well, Dice deserves you, I, to have a great yeah, year. I, well, that's the that's the. I mean, I was about to ask AJ until I heard him say he hadn't even gone to camp yet. He only went to yeah. rookie camp. But I was going to ask him, hey, like you know, how is how is a Bob Dice training camp running right now? Well, the maybe? rookie camp, he shut the music off and yelled at everybody. And that's so. exactly what you need. I'm telling you, man, this this generation of athlete is a real different generation. It's a very selfish, what about me generation where you had a lot of guys. Even if you were a, a franchise guy, you still cared about the team at some in some way, shape, or form. Even in a place like training camp, but it's just not that way anymore. No, for sure. All right, that's your CFL report. Live from Griffith Stadium in Saskatoon for the Riders Training Camp, it's the Sports Cage with Michael Ball on 620 CKRM. Now, yesterday when we were live here at Griffith Stadium for our special Sunday edition, we had our eyebrows raised right away, Luke, when we saw the ones come out. Mm. Godber was yeah. the center. Yep. Uh, the tackles, Lofton at the right side, came over from uh, Winnipeg yep. in the offseason. Hawkins, the NFL guy who we're going to highlight tomorrow and talk about him. Yep. And then our guards were Evan Johnson on the right side, on the left side, where you like to see him, Philip Blake. We'll hear from him in a yeah. second. Uh, Ferlin and Bandy were the next guys in. Yeah. Um, and today just, they rotated it up again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Coach Dickinson, and we'll have him on after five. Said, so don't get too carried away with the with the depth chart uh, right now. But just your thoughts. To me, it looks like a more competitive situation. And with the new old line coach, you don't have built in likenesses and favoritism. Yeah, exactly. We talked about not having the favoritism, right? But also today, for instance, um, Logan Furland was actually working with the ones at the right guard spot. Yeah. Right? So um, Evan Johnson was back, and, and Cooper Richardson rotated in um, at tackle, but uh, the lead tackles were uh, Phil Saleh, I believe, Yeah. and uh, I think it was Jordan Tucker. But um, either way, yeah, I think that they have a few options, and, and it's nice to see them tinkering with certain, but that's the whole thing. I mean, we go back, and I don't want to keep shooting... Uh, beating an undead horse, but I want to go back to our first sort of, hey, you know, what's the point of practicing or, or, you know, like, what's the point of taking it easy when you have so much competition you could be doing? Like, if you're going to mix up the lines and see who plays better with who, put them out there into situations, right? So, um, I, I think that I think that it's going to be interesting. I think that we still want to see, though, like, 
it's not enough to just sort of identify where Evan Johnson, where Logan Furlan fall, where Cooper Richardson falls. We still got to see, hey, like, is, is Zach Fry ready to compete? Right. Right. What's, what steps has Logan Bandy made? You know what yeah. I mean? So, so I, I think that, yeah, again, that it's, it's what gets you excited about tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like you, really, you hope there's inside run. Well, it's hard, it's, it's hard to pick up on what the O-line and D-line is doing when you don't have a lot oh, of those competitive barely, things, right? Well, the only, they, they barely competed against each other even when they went down for one-on-ones. They worked run fits. They didn't do the traditional pass rush, Joe, right? So, uh, again, it's not a wrong approach. It's a different approach. Yeah, so for sure. You just got to hope that you see something. But um, Why were you happy, before we get to him, why were you happy to see Philip Blake oh. inside and at 37 years old, what can he bring to this team? Well, at 37 year old, years old, at, at left guard, he's still one of the better guards in the league. That's 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 it. Bottom like, line. Bottom line is he's a really, really good football player, and he's a really high-character guy. He's a tough player, right? And I know that, you know, they got him, and they said, oh, yeah, he can play in a number of spots, but he's the only person that hasn't rotated yet two days in the camp. He's been a left guard. So um, what does he bring with him? Otherwise, I think he brings an experienced ear to uh, to mm-hmm. pair with Godber, who, who obviously is the new center here, um, has his own personal expectations. But, I mean, if you pair Godber with two guys on, on either side that are used to playing, and and one guy is a beast, and one guy is a young guy that has his own sort of vision of the CFL game so far. I think that uh, they they're set up for success. And the nice part is is it's 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 like that conversation you and I had last year. I think about how to about why you know having a good quarterback and letting receivers work with the first group because they can get evaluated. Um, the tackles can get evaluated properly if they're not always keeping an eye out for what's inside them because they don't trust the guard to do what he's going to do. So, for instance, like in, in, a, in identifying a defensive line stunt, uh, if a tackle doesn't think that the guard is going to stay or going to pass over his man if they run a looping stunt, right, if he doesn't think that, if, and if he mm-hmm. thinks that he might, he might, he might get beat because he's waiting for the other guy to to have a deficiency, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so I think that it, it allows the tackles who really we have an eye on to get evaluated well because they don't have to worry about what's going on beside them. They can just focus on that outside edge, or if anybody comes like a blitz, they can, they can trust that hey, this blitz, I was told that I look outside in. And I can trust that because this guy knows he's going to look outside. Interesting, too, because the Riders have reworked Evan Johnson's contract, which is reflective of, uh, yeah. hey, it's a competition yeah. now just to actually stay on a football team. Yeah, well, it should be. It should be flat out with the performance that this offensive line had last year. And, again, you know, this there's not, this is nothing personal against guys because I actually I really admire Evan Johnson. We, made him, a, we made him an offensive game star last year, well, so we didn't have a terrible year. More importantly, man, I watched him out there with his his, his kid. Yep. He's, he's driving the cart around with him. And yep. that's, the, that's the side of the game that I wish guys had more opportunities for. And I'm glad he's taking advantage of it. I'm glad that he's he's taking the time to show to to hang out and play with his kid after practice because you you spend so much time as a competitor um, job interviewing during camp and not enjoying the process because you're so focused on what you got to do that if you're a dad you might miss those moments. Man. That's a good I'm point, glad, man. I'm glad that he's I'm glad that he's out there. That's a good point, yeah. man. All right, uh, uh, we'll let you go. All right, and yeah. we're gonna we're gonna uh, as we let Luke go, let's hear from Philip Blake from yesterday. I feel good, man. I'm sorry, I feel good. I'm just um, coming back out here and, and you know 
enjoying football again. I mean, it's a young group. Um, I mean, they're always all eager to learn, right? So, I mean, I just come in here, show my experience, and try to get everybody on the same page. Knowing how much heat they took last season, what kind of motivation do you have to come in here now and be a veteran and help them basically um, rebound and have complete opposite season? I mean, you understand what happened last year, but you, you kind of clear it, and then you kind of make sure guys learn from the mistakes and you kind of sweep it under the rug, and you know, a new year is a new year. And uh, experience, right? That's the big thing, experience. I played all five positions, started all five, so, I mean, any, any questions that the young guys have, you know, I'm here to answer. Of those five positions, do you have a favorite one, a specific one you like to play? Um, no. For me, I could play. I play all. I have fun playing all. And it's just, it's just a different challenge every time I go up there. What's it like being back, to, uh, returning to Saskatchewan after your first stint? Um, it was, it's good. I, mean, I remember being here my first time, and um, this, the whole experience, coming from Montreal and traded from Montreal, it was like, like a revive to my career. I always tell guys coming, coming to Saskatchewan, revive my career in terms of my whole mentality, chain of mentality, and uh, going to a new team and starting fresh. Is it a little bit different now because you're the veteran guy as opposed to before being a younger um, guy? No, it's not different. You know, the goal is still the same. You work in the off season, you train, you communicate with the guys, and you work on the same page. Just want to get your thoughts about uh, Gerald Hawkins uh, early on in camp. What you've seen from him so I mean, far? He's very energetic, um, great athlete. Um, just right now, we're just working and working together. So, I mean, everyone brings everything, something to the table, and we're just trying to see like, who's the best five to do it. How does your attitude toward change training camp change or evolve over the length of a pro football career, starting in the NFL and here you are today? Um, when I first started in the NFL, for me, it was learning. So I'm basically it's kind of like flip right now. So. Um, from my experience, I learned, I'm teaching them from my experience to kind of shorten, shorten that learning curve that, that I went through. And I, any mistakes, I'll point it out. Is there a central message or something that you really try to impart to the younger guys? Um, you know, always have fun, right? I yeah. mean, playing offensive line, you get scrutiny and all this stuff. You never really get called until you mess up, right? So making sure you always have fun, short-term memory, and uh, you know, working together, communing together, and uh, being the best five. What makes you excited to play with Trevor Harris? I mean, he's a veteran quarterback. Um, you know, he's been in the league for a long time. I mean, what else can you say about him, right? He's a great, great guy. I mean, he talked to me in the offseason, and um, I'm just excited to play with him. Does the depth chart mean anything on day one camp? Depth chart doesn't mean anything. Um, you know, ever, we're trying to find the best five, right? Whatever combination the coach wants to see, um, it's going to be the best five to be out there. That's Philip Lake in conversation with us media members yesterday, which was day one of training camp. He was also out there today at the left guard spot. The 37-year-old played all five positions with the Argos. was a great cup champion, so he's definitely a valuable member of the 2023 Rough Riders going forward. When we come back, we'll hear from one of the young guys trying to crack the roster any way he can on the Rough Riders defensive secondary it's uh, number six, Devin Lewis, five foot eight defensive back slash returner. It's up next here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Riders DB Devin Jones, but you do it all. Tell us about your college days. You did everything, man. <laughs> yes, sir, man. I did. I did everything. They, they used me as an athlete. Um, you know, wherever they really needed me, I went. Yeah. Uh, they needed me on kickoff. I go to kickoff. They needed me on return. I go to return. They need me to block anything. I'm going on field goal block. It's just I like to do it all. Um, being able to do it all uh, allows you to uh, add more value to yourself. So. Uh, you're a little humble, man. You had four kickoff returns for touchdowns, two punt returns for touchdowns, and they put you on an offense. You had a 57-yard reception. Um, so what would be better, kickoff return for touchdown, 
Punt return for a touchdown. Receiving touchdown or a pick six? Pick six. Yeah, pick six. You know, I'm, I'm defense first. I'm always defense first. So pick six. Then I'll say second, uh, kick return and punt return. Yeah. And then third, receiver. Because that's just a, uh, you know, just this put me out there because, like I said, athlete, just run fast and, and catch the ball. What do you so, love about our game? Oh, man. <laughs> man. So in the return aspect, I like how the field is so wide. And I like that there's no fair catches. So it adds, like, excitement to the game. So, like, you know, um, in the NFL and XFL and USFL and stuff like that, um, well, I can't speak on their rules, but um, I know for the NFL for a fact, you know, they're kicking the ball out the back of the end zone. There's a whole bunch of fair catches and stuff like that. Well, in the CFL, it creates opportunities for players like me who um, who I'm 5'8". You know, they might not look at me at corner in a sense first, but now I got my foot in the door because of my return ability and because of the because uh, of the field and everything out here. And then now I, now I can make the team and potentially make the team and um, – show that I can play DB as well. So it's, it's always an end. I love that mentality because I've, I've grown up with this game. I like the NFL too, but it seems like the XFL, USFL, the AAFL, even the NFL, they're searching for things that the CFL already yeah, has. Yeah, we already do. Yeah, we already do. So it's, I think, uh, you know, they signed that contract with uh, CBS, yeah. right? I think the CFL is going to catch on big in the uh, United States because, bro, the return aspect, man, is the most exciting part of the game. Mm. Um, so you, you eliminate that and a whole bunch of punts and fair catches, man, it's not fun. So I, I really like that about the CFL man and I really like that the field's big I like the running starts I just like it all man I, yeah, I really do I really do 5-8 you can't teach height you can't hold that against somebody so how do you compensate for maybe being a little on the shorter side and I say that as a guy who's saying uh, yeah. standing eye to eye with you exactly um man uh being shorter you just have to have a little bit more dog and you like you know what I'm saying like a, like a more like a better mentality man like you got to have that attack first mentality whereas you're taller you can kind of slack off a little bit and then jump for the ball or something like that late because you're long and stuff like that well I have to be on the hip of somebody I have to be right up in their hip so I I press myself to be more physical and uh get underneath the shoulder pads and just be more physical than them uh lower than them uh bigger guys and stuff like that talk about the waggle how are you adjusting to that with the guy getting a run and start and how they can set you up and stem the routes and everything like that well actually man i'm a i'm a naturally a real patient um db and coach clund has been uh you know working with me on um being even more patient than i already was and with my speed you know i'm allowing people to stack me and i'm not scared of getting beat deep because i can catch up so now i'm able to read it, it's just it's just it's it's simple man it's it's uh i'm able to attack the hip and attack each way like yeah i i don't it's hard, it's, 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 it's hard to explain man but when i'm out there doing it man it's like it's simple yeah. it's simple so like when i'm when i'm comfortable with my coverage and i'm out there in the waggle and the receiver attacks my outside and i pierce step and um right <laughs> long, <laughs> and, and, and long arm it you know what i'm saying and long arm it I just feel comfortable. I feel natural. So, um, you know, I'm really adjusting to that really good. So, Well, you're a great athlete. You've always probably been a great athlete. When did you realize, hey, I'm one of the better athletes on whatever field I'm on? Personally, I felt that way since I was since I was little. But um, when I started getting notarized for it, you know, being one of the best is um, my 2019 year in college when I returned four in one season. I had 1,000 return yards on just kick return. Um, I was number one in the uh, whole country yeah. in in all divisions and stuff like that so that's when I kind of it kind of really hit me so um yeah that's when it kind of hit me man 2019 so do you really believe and, and just listening to you that being a special teams guy whatever that is that'll be your inside track maybe to making this football team sir yes sir so like I've always my trainers back at home always my coaches back in college my coaches in high school man they always drilled in special teams is your way in especially since you're a shorter guy and stuff like that special teams just run down go hard on special teams and you'll find 
find your way in. Especially like you know, returners returners are valuable in, in pretty much any league, but especially the CFL since they allow like returns and stuff like that. So um, I really do think it's like an end for me. So and I'm I'm a DB first. I'm really a DB first, but you know I'm using the return as an opportunity to be able to make this team. Where did your uh, great personality come from? Who can you credit that with? Like sometimes you're, you're born with it, but you're a good speaker and you're uh, really personable. Um, my parents, man. My parents. Um, you know, I was I was brought up, you know, um, always smile. Like you know, driver's license pictures, always smile. School pictures, always have to smile. If I came home, I get yeah. I get in trouble if I didn't smile in school yeah. picture and stuff like that. It's it it makes people want to come to you and flow to you when you have a smile on your face rather than just me mugging all the time. So. Um, I mean, just naturally, man. I I just I just like making friends, man. Like I just, uh, I don't know. I just like having somebody all around me, man. Like someone around me at all times, man. I'm really I'm real easygoing, man. Um, I'm, I have friends with all types of people. Like it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Who are you with in camp? Who are you rooming with in camp here? Um, I'm rooming with Rodney, Austin, and uh, Leon, my boys. So is it a nervous time for you? Like, what do you guys? You guys just when you're cooling down, just talking about things. I think it's going. Anything like that? Uh, honestly, man. You know, it's crazy because we're all actually competing to you know yes. obviously fight yeah. for a spot on the yeah. team but it's like it's not even like that with us you know we're still critiquing each other and, and helping each other get better um knowing that potentially one of us might not make the team because of the other mm -hmm. one like you know what i'm saying but like we have that bond and it happens so fast that we're we're constantly working together and just talking about uh what we can fix and then not only that outside of football like you know we'll chill and play the game and talk and you know just mm -hmm. you know typical man talk you know what i'm saying so like it's, it's cool this really is the old you know survivor and all these reality shows this is really right here yeah. the ultimate reality show because you're all wearing the same jersey but you're not on the same team because yeah. you're on team jones right now you're yeah. trying to make the team to make the team yes sir it's, it's crazy yeah it, it's, it's crazy but you know at the end of the day leon said this said this to me man he said this football is always going to be here but these relationships won't if you can build a relationship man and and if we can make sure that we're, we're all good we're all each other have man like uh we're all each other have so if we can make sure we're good man and you know we're comfortable i'm cool with that man like you know i've I made lifelong friends and i've been here for what six days i made lifelong friends like that's devin jones uh defensive back uh slash returner five foot eight but he's very athletic and he was running with the ones yesterday and a little bit today too so we'll see how it goes first real competitive situation tomorrow as they go uh, pads some 12 on 12 action can't wait to see what happens tomorrow here at camp um i wanted to uh pass this story on hats off to the quebec ramparts organization for a beautiful gesture after finding out that the mooseheads diehard fan tyler long had been a victim of harassment from some of their fans during game two of the q playoffs the quebec players invited tyler to be part of their practice this morning in dartmouth Tyler, who is Down syndrome, uh, was greeted with open arms, arms when visiting the team's dressing room and even spent time chatting with some of the boys. The Ramparts and their head coach, Patrick Waugh, also gave Tyler and his family some funds for medical needs. The teams offered, or the team, pardon me, offered to host the Long family in a box for Game 5, but they politely declined. They're Moosehead fans. They don't want to do that. I like that part of it, too. Uh, this comes from his family. Quote, may this serve as a reminder to all fans out there that hockey's uh, just the game. Win or lose, home or away, there's no place or time for disrespect towards one another. Tonight, there's a Game 7. Jordan Everly and the Seattle Kraken taking on the Dallas Stars. Zinger back at the station. Uh, 
Um, Jordan Everly, this will be his best chance, I think, to win a Stanley Cup. It's wide open in the West now. Last chance for romance, Jordan Everly. He's been uh, scoring a yeah. lot of goals this series, too. He's been uh, he's been hot. A lot of Regina guys or Regina former Regina Pab players have been uh, making it happen. So we got yes, Josh Mahuris yes, killing yeah. the playoffs. We got the Chandler Stevenson. We got Jordan Everly still in it. So that's yeah, what I'd like to yeah. see. Yeah, Jordan Everly's got six playoff goals. Uh, that's the most he's ever had in the postseason, two in the last game. I think Chandler Stevenson is five. And Josh Maher's been a mainstay on the surprise Florida Panthers who are living up to their expectations here in these playoffs. They'll take on Carolina. We'll find out tonight who the Vegas Golden Knights will have. Leonard had sent in a text earlier talking about the Oilers and because he's a Leafs fan and we were laughing. Listen, I'm disappointed in Edmonton Oilers hockey, uh, but Grant Fear sucked in his first playoffs. And I'm not saying that Stuart Skinner's going to be a Hall of Famer, but the guy's only 24, and he wasn't even supposed to be the starter this year. I think Woodcroft probably, Jay Woodcroft, their coach, probably should have started Stuart Skinner, or uh, Jack Campbell in the last game, but did not. And he probably should have had Leon and Connor play together more than just the third period. Hmm. Uh, so I think Jay Woodcroft got out coached by Bruce Cassidy, and no big surprise there, Cassidy's one of the best in the business. Um, of the teams left, I'm probably going to lean to the Vegas goal tonight. Although, you got to be honest, Aiden Hill, who's like the fourth goalie in their system, uh, he stood on his head, got some help from goalposts yesterday. Uh, I don't think the Oilers are like the Leaf Singer. I don't think the Oilers got to blow it up. I don't think they can get away from their goalies, though. I mean, Campbell signed in for another four years at $5 million apiece, and they just signed Skinner, so they're going to stick with the goalies. They're going to have to retool some guys. Like, I'd get rid of CeCe. I'd get, even though I don't mind CC, I'd try to get an upgrade there. I'd get rid of Yamamoto. He's not worth three million bucks, in my opinion, with all due respect. And Nugent Hopkins no showed in the playoffs. If I could trade and get something for Nugent after a 104 point season, I'd seriously consider it. Yeah. Do you think they stick with Stuart Skinner going into next year, or do you think they, uh, Move on from him. And by the way, Chandler Stevenson, yeah, six goals in the playoff. Six balls. goals, six okay. juicy six goals. goals. Yeah, th- yeah. Thanks to rub it in. Thanks for rubbing yeah, it man. in. I didn't even know who the hell Jonathan Marchessault was till last night when he got the hat trick. Natural. Um, uh, I don't know, man. And I, the, the NHL is kind of a clown show league, and not just because my team lost. But give me a break. The way they call penalties and don't call penalties. Did you see last night? Ekholm Ek- gets slashed in the face, blood everywhere, and they said, oh, it was just a follow-through. Hmm. What? Yeah, that's, uh, that's all it was. <laughs> WWE, man, it's not hockey, it's sports entertainment. I'm I'm disgruntled, but uh, I think I'm truthful. Anyway, we'll take a break. Be back with the head coach, Craig Dickinson, live from training camp here on The Source, your voice for Saskatchewan Rough Riders football, 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the writer's bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. And it's for a good friend at McDougal Auctioneers. Thanks to McDougal Auctioneers for getting on board and supporting this weekly feature and uh, yeah if you want to buy and sell stuff in the auction game get a hold of the great gang at McDougal Auctioneers on a sunny day from Saskatoon I'm in the broadcast booth and somewhere the coach is on site here but he's joining me by phone on the Western Pizza Hotline coach through two days I'm not going to lie it's been more of like kind of a teaching two days so to speak 
Okay, coach is not there. We lost coach. Uh, Zinger's going to try to get a hold of coach. As uh, yeah, we've kind of had uh, two days of um, instructions. I guess it's it's almost like um, they're just making sure everybody's up to speed. They want to slowly ease the players in they said in fact that Jeremy O'Day told me this is what they do in the NFL they kind of ramp up and with the injuries they've had in the last couple of years of this regime especially at training camp a couple of years ago when he had five Achilles um, they just want to make sure everybody's healthy and uh, we're going to get into a competitive 12 on 12 tomorrow type situation as um, as uh, we ramp things up here they got to uh, cut uh, 10 players by midnight tomorrow so uh, they're going to uh, pare it down. Kind of unfair for the new guys that um, that are coming up here just le- just learning the game. And uh, let's start there, Coach Dickinson. Thanks for joining us here. It is kind of unfair for young guys trying to cut their teeth and make this team. There's not a lot of time to impress. No, there's not a lot of time. And, um, you know, we've got to make some tough decisions. And with, you know, some good football players, guys that have come in and and really represented themselves well. So we're hoping tomorrow, Michael, that we can put the pads on and some guys will separate. So talk about that mentality, Coach, because Luke and I were kind of bouncing that around here. It's 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 not a wrong approach. It's a different approach. Luke said back when I back when I played, even talked to Jeff Farrell, we do two a days and all that stuff. Obviously, things have changed, Coach, and the setup's a little different this uh, year because you got a two week stretch here without a game. Yeah, we've got enough time. We feel like we've got enough time that we don't have to to get them necessarily in full four-quarter game shape. We can, we can be a little bit more of a, a, a teach progression, start by teaching them our system, and then hopefully, you know, amp it up and ramp it up. But it just depends on how much time you got in training camp. If, if you got a short amount of time, you got to hit them fast. But we are, are lucky this year. We've got a little more time from the start of training camp to the start of the season, so we're going to Treat it as more of a teach teach period these first two days, and then we'll start getting going tomorrow. So overall, give us your impressions on what you've seen so far from your group in the first two days in this teach session. I, you know, yeah, I, I've seen some good stuff. I, I mean, I'm proud of the guys. They're all one thing. The little things I think we're doing right. Like there's not been not one guy that's walked on the field later than he's supposed to. There's, you know, not one guy that's not. Um, hustling to to the football on defense. There's not there's not one player that I haven't seen that you know hasn't been uh, a good teammate in terms of taking care of, uh, of his business in the locker room, being polite, and respectful to the to the folks around him. So I really like the character of our group. Uh, now we just got to see if they can play. Yeah, that's the key. You could be a nice guy, right? You said that before. Uh-huh. Nice guys don't. You could have a team full of nice guys, but uh, but you you don't win with a team full of nice guys. Coach, <laughs> uh, let's look at the let, let's look at the offensive line here a little bit. Um, uh, yesterday, Luke and I were commenting when we did our special one hour show. You come out, you have uh, Hawkins and Lofton as your tackles. You got Evan Johnson and uh, Philip Blake as your guards, and Godber, of course, as your center. And then today, we worked in Furlan a little more with the ones bandy in there uh, i think it speaks maybe to the depth of your offensive line hopefully yeah we've got we've got decent depth and that's something you know we we were um you know asked about even before the draft and that was why we didn't need to go offensive line early in the draft because we really have more depth than people probably talk about and uh by going after and getting philip blake in the in the, in the free agency signing godber and and getting fry zach fry back from school 
No, it's a, it's a pretty good group, and I, I really like what they're doing. I think the offensive line has been one of the, the bright spots in, in the first two days of camp, just the way they're playing. You know, today we had a little run period uh, without pads on, but you could just see that they're taking the coaching that Coach Vitale's giving them, and, and they're doing a pretty good job. So I'm excited for that group. Yeah, Luke and I were talking about that during draft night. We weren't surprised, really, that you didn't take anybody along the offensive line, really, like, you know, or more. I know you took Florin out of Queens, who kind of fell into your lap. You thought maybe he'd go higher. But, like, how is, uh, how is Diego Alatora Montoya looked? And, and, like, Zach Fry, like you said, you get him from Western. How have they, because that's the key, how have they progressed? What has Logan Bandy learned from his, mm-hmm. you know, trial by fire last year? You know, uh, he knows yeah. what it takes to play now. Yeah, Bandy looks good. He's definitely bigger than he was last year. You can tell he's been working hard in the weight room. Um, so he's had a good good first two days. Zach Fry has also had a good first two days. Um, he's gotten bigger and stronger. And then we put him at guard. We've even used him a little bit at center. So he's got some versatility. And, and Diego had a good day today as well. He started off a little slow because he had a hamstring that was bothering him, but he's been better these last few days. And we feel like it's a decent group in terms of um, skill said they're big, strong dudes. Now we just got to get them playing together. Yeah, okay. And so talk to me about um, Philip Blake. We had him on earlier, uh, uh, did the interview yesterday, ran it today. Uh, number 53, 37 years old, played. He can do all five positions on the offensive line and won a great cup. What does he bring to this team besides versatility? Well, he's he brings a lot of street cred. I mean, this is a guy that played – Played ball down in Texas at Baylor, um, high-level NCAA school. Then he ended up getting drafted in the NFL, fourth-round draft choice. Played down in the NFL for three or four years. So you're getting a guy who's played against some real top-level competition and, and has done well against top-level competition. So I think it's a steal of a pick. You know, it's a similar to the the, the, the Sal kid we, we took out of Eastern Michigan late in is Phillips one of those guys? He spent time in the NFL and played in the NFL, and we were fortunate enough to get him back up here. And uh, so you got a real high quality football player, been around a while, but doesn't have a ton of ton of uh, mileage on him because he started late in life, and and so maybe thirty seven, but football life probably more like thirty four, thirty five. Nice. Uh, Coach Craig Dickinson joining us here for his regular hit for our friends at McDougal Auctioneers. Uh, what about that tackle spot? Hawkins, uh, Cooper Richardson, who was here last year, uh, Eric Lofton, who comes over from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. What are you uh, noticing or hearing from your coaches uh, or your coach, Anthony yeah, Patelli, uh, with regards yeah. to those guys? Wide open spot. You know, he's rotating guys in. Hawkins has played mostly left. We use Tucker uh, to the right and Cooper a little bit to the right. I think. Those are the two positions you're gonna we're gonna be looking most closely at is the two tackle positions and Hawkins so far has been very good. I mean he's he's a big dude. He's got great energy. He's coaching the, the group up on every play. He's talking about it. Even in stretch today, I heard him heard him say, "All right, what are we gonna do better today?" Or what are you gonna work on today? You know, and he was talking hand placement with one of the guys that he was talking to. So true pro, Gerald Hawkins is a true pro, and then. Just having him in the building has been helpful. Awesome. Uh, Lake Corte Moore, Jackson Ford, your first two picks. Uh, what have you noticed, if anything, from these two guys? Both doing a nice job, yeah. I mean, Lake Lake is, is a good football player, you know, and he we had him in one-on-ones. He's winning reps against good tackles. He's very versatile. You know, you can use him 
inside, outside. He can play special teams. He was our backup snapper today in punt. So um, I'm thrilled to have that guy uh, wearing the green and white. And then, and then, you know, Jackson Ford just just getting better every day. You know, it's uh, it's a jump for him, but it doesn't seem too big. He's got um, a pro mentality. I mean, I, I mean, it thinks I think it helps being Al's. Al Ford's grandson, he's been around the game, and you can tell it's not too big for him. So couldn't be happier with those first two picks. Coach, you've got two different coaches on the lines, okay? you got Ben Olsen left, uh, you know, and then Steve Soros is gone, and you've got Anthony Vitelli. Uh, what, what do they bring to the table in terms of uh, getting those two units good to go? Because we're talking about guys. Oh, you know, yeah. We're talking about the players having impressions, but we got the coaches, too. What, what, what are they bringing to the table? Yeah, I've been impressed with the coaches. I mean, this is my first opportunity working with them, but I've known Anthony for a while now. He was with us as a guest coach a few years back. Anthony's been been a lot of different places, um, coached NCAA football, coached in Edmonton last year. He's been a coordinator, you know, at the college level. So he's got a, a real solid base of offensive understanding. Great guy. Uh, players love him. You can tell he's got a great personality and great demeanor and brings a lot of toughness, I think, to that group. Anthony was a was a state champion wrestler when he was a young man in, in the state of California, too, which is not not an easy place to be a state champ with you know 36 million people there. So he's a he's a good football coach that brings a little bit of grit and toughness to the position. The same could be said about Dell. Dell's coached at a real high level himself. He coached at Air Force for a few years, played at Maryland, spent four years in the NFL as a football player, maybe six. I think he told me the other day. And you know that's a lot of street cred with a with a really good group. I mean that defensive line group is a really good group, and a lot of them have been in the NFL, and so to get a coach that's been there, played for a number of years, and is coached at a high level, I think I think they're really pleased uh, working with him so far. Before I let you go, let's uh, finish off with the marquee position, the quarterbacks. We know what we get from Trevor Harris. Uh, you know, he's looked a little bit, uh, I want to say, well, yeah, I will say, a little bit sloppy, but I think he just kind of, you know, like everybody else, just figuring it out right now, so I don't put too much stock into it. But what are you, uh, what are you seeing right now from Fine and Dola Gala? I thought Jake was the, the best guy on day one, if I can say it from my uneducated spot. Uh, but then today, a little inconsistent. But what are you seeing uh, with those other guys? Fine, Dola Gala, Lewis. And of yeah. course, it was Pelche's birthday from the Rams, too. Yeah, I know. We gave him a little uh, Gatorade bath at the end of practice today. Everybody was in on that one. So, um, uh, you know what? It's still to be determined. I mean, I, I, the one thing I try my best to do is to not be too uh, opinionated early in camp because you end up changing your mind three or four times. But I, I do feel really good about the quarterback position. I think they're all getting the hang of a new offense and new terminology, and they're probably still – trying to figure out reads on each play and what to read read in terms of where their eyes go and where they throw it. But so far, it's been a good group. Here's what I that I really like. They're getting in and out of the huddle. You don't see a lot of like, what was that again, coach? Or can can you repeat that for me, coach? I think mentally they're really sharp and they're picking up the offense. And I think it's just going to be a matter of time until they get comfortable and uh, and seeing what they're supposed to see and then making decisions quickly. Coach, I appreciate it. It's always busy at camp. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule and yeah. uh, have yourself I'm a good sorry night. We we'll didn't connect you. on that first question. I don't know what happened. I was listening oh, the way. You know what, buddy? It's uh, it's our it's our fault, not yours. Thanks for your time, man. If that's the worst See, thing man. that happened, hey, if that if that's the worst thing that happens all year, we're doing okay. Uh, we're in good shape.
Good talk to you, Michael. <laughs> talk to you later. Yeah, take care. That's Coach Craig Dickinson for our good friends at McDougal Auctioneers. When we come back, it's our one to watch. You're listening to the Sports Cage from Saskatoon and Training Camp with the Riders on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to Saskatoon. Sunny, beautiful day here, like I'm sure it is in Regina. Rough Riders through two days of camp. And each day in camp, we're going to have our one to watch, or the one we watched. And it is for our friends at Specs by Orion. I went in there to get some new eyewear. They do a great job, man. I always thought that place was too cool for me, but it's not. It's a great place. Go check out Ryan. Very knowledgeable. It's like when you go into a gym and you're a little nervous because, oh, I don't know if I could do this. And you, you go in there, and uh, he has got all the expertise and puts you at ease. He's got a great staff over there. So our one to watch today, we just talked about him with the uh, head coach here, Rough Riders. It's uh, quarterback, big number nine, six foot seven, Jake Dolagala. With Riders quarterback Jake Dolagala, I think you've been the best quarterback so far, first couple of days in camp. How's it been feeling for you? I appreciate that. Um, things are going good. Gonna hang in this offense. Um, guys are running around really well. And uh, yeah, I'm just staying with myself. Nothing, nothing too crazy. Yeah, so uh, talk about the difference in the offensive philosophy from last year to this year. I mean, philosophy is relatively similar, it's just the way we're getting to it you know like formationally um verbiage you know just stuff is is quicker for us and uh i think it's hitting a lot of guys brains better mm-hmm. so it's better for you you feel it's it's, it's working more I down here not necessarily for me alone yeah. you know for all these guys i think yeah. it's just hitting their brains really quick yeah and guys are playing fast yeah talk about the receivers some of these uh, weapons that they brought into camp it's awesome it's awesome all these guys you know literally everybody we brought in i think has that you know that twitch and that that uh that next level type of stuff that you know is going to make us really special this year. And what do you you know? Uh, it's more comfortable this year coming in here to these surroundings, obviously. Yeah, no doubt. Having a year under my belt uh, really helps. You know, knowing the rules. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a huge difference. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, feel good, feel confident. Feel confident. Yeah, yeah. Talk about uh, talk about the rules. That's something that you know uh, I've I've grown up in this game. You didn't. So it, it, how long did it take you to catch you on this year? I mean, like you could probably see in preseason last year. Yeah. Um, you know, I was still, it was it was hesitation out there, yeah. you know, it just wasn't feeling fully, like I had a full grasp of it, you know, the, the confidence wasn't there, um, but this year I feel, I feel you know, in a bad spot. I think you're better than a lot of guys in the sense that you can use this whole big field. Do you kind of feel that way? Like you can, hey, if I got a guy deep in the corner of the end zone, uh, there's not too many guys that can hit that, I can hit that. Right, yeah, I feel like I can make every throw on the field. Yeah, and in terms of uh, what you think you need to do, take the next step for yourself this year, is there one aspect of your game that you've kind of zoned in on that you want to do a better job of this year? Um, I just got to, you know, continue to do a good job of leading, you know, taking command. And uh, really, for me, it's just about completions, moving those chains. As long as, you know, the longer we're staying on the field, the more touchdowns we're going to score, and that's, and that's what we want. And you've got a, a new guy kind of at the helm, at least perceived, coming into camp in Trevor Harris. What's your relationship like with him and in the quarterback room in general? Uh, quarterback room is great. Trevor's awesome. Um, he came right in. We were, you know, we were up here, what, last weekend, a little bit early, getting getting together, just getting to know each other. Um, awesome dude. Really excited for him. You know, his family's growing. He's going to be <laughs> out of here in a few days. It's going to be really cool. Um, but, yeah, awesome guy. You know, I've been taught in broadcasting school, don't bring up things because people wouldn't notice. It's hard not to notice the wind there. I'm working with a new piece of audio equipment. We've had we've had internet connection problems here in Saskatoon, but that's nothing new. 
Uh, that'll be rectified tomorrow. We will not be doing the show from this booth, so we don't drop out. And then uh, I'm using a new piece of audio equipment, and instead of using a mic, I had the handheld mics that I could just uh, put towards his mouth, but apparently it picked up too much wind there, so I apologize to the listener out there. My apologies. We will clean it up. We're in day two, too, here at Training Cap. Uh, got some text in the Capital Auto Group text line at 936-6262 from Eli. Oh, well, hockey's done for another year. Canadian teams can't compete with the American money onto the riders now just in time. Well, uh, I think maybe he's referring to the fact that, uh, you know, in the NHL, in the regular season, you have a salary cap, but you don't have to adhere to that in the playoffs. So guys like Mark Stone can can play on the uh, LITR, like they come off the LITR, but their cap doesn't count uh, against the, uh, or their salary doesn't account against the cap in the playoffs, and apparently it's going around the Vegas Gold Knights were 10 to $11 million over the NHL salary cap in the playoffs, so people are saying that. I'm not going to say that's the reason why the Oilers lost. There's a little from column A and a little from column B. This is from our regular listeners from Sherwood Park, Alberta, Allison and Kevin Hicks. We were at Game 6. It was even more unbelievable seeing in person the inconsistency with the referee's calls. Now cheering for Ebbs and the Kraken. Looking forward to CFL season and the Riders on 620 CKRM. Thanks to Allison and Kevin Hicks. Yeah, Jordan Everly, our friend of the show, is uh, in action tonight. In about 35 minutes time, they'll take to the ice in Dallas against uh, the Stars at American Airlines Arena. Keep the text coming at 936-6262. We'll get to Glenn Souter. On the other side, it's press coverage for Quality Tire. You're listening to The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 532 at the sports ticker for Busy B overhead. Busy B will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy B Doors, the garage door specialists. And I'm just thinking, I don't know what's going on with Alec Manoa right now, but the Toronto Blue Jays, they are down to the New York Yankees, and they are down early, 3 to nothing, top of the second. Alec Manoa, he's given up home runs left, right, and center. Aaron Judge took him deep. I don't know. You know, the Jays built up some good momentum. They just swept the Atlanta Braves, and this he's supposed to be the ace of the rotation. He's on the hill tonight, and this is what happens? I don't know. It's frustrating for a Toronto Blue Jays fan. Uh, game 7 tonight in the National Hockey League. Seattle Kraken taking on the Dallas Stars. That's a 6 p.m. puck drop Saskatchewan time. And, uh, yes, I think I am going to be cheering for Jordan Eberle here the rest of the way. Go Kraken! Showcasing the boys of summer. Time for another edition of the Sports Cage Regina Red Sox Report on 620 CKRM. Red Sox report is for the Canadian Brew House. You can enjoy the NHL at the CBH Saturday nights with a dollar off tankards of Bud and Bud Light. Well, some beautiful weather in the Queen City the past couple of days, and it just gets you into that baseball mindset. Just sit back, relax, and take in a Regina Red Sox game at Curry Field. It's on baseball fans' minds, and you can get single-game tickets, birthday party packs, family packs, premium admission and general admission whatever your game day needs are you can just head to RegenaRedSox.com to snag your tickets before all the good seats are gone some of the main dates for the Red Sox in May and June the home opener Saturday May 27th against the Swift Current 57s and then right back at it at home the day after on May 28th against the Moose John Miller Express 
the visiting Medicine Hat Mavericks in town on June 1st, which is a Thursday. And this team doesn't come to town every single year, so make sure you get these tickets. The Fort McMurray Giants in town June 13th and 16th. And the Brooks Bombers as well will be in Regina at the end of June. So for the full list of games and schedule, ReginaRedSox.com, the place to go. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second and long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of bounds. It's time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. All right, welcome back to Saskatoon, and yes, the uh, Glenn Suter press coverage segment is brought to you by our good friends at Quality Tire, nine locations in Saskatchewan to uh, serve you. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. All right, uh, joined on the uh, Western Pizza Hotline by our good friend Glenn Suter. Suits, how are you? I am doing well. I am uh, I am wondering about these these weather shifts that in mid May were over thirty in Vancouver. I'm sure it's hot in Saskatoon. Uh, I know mm-hmm. the guys will be digging in because early in camp you're trying to get your legs under you, and now you're dealing with heat too. Although a lot of the guys that are coming up from the states, you know, they play in Texas and places like that, so they're used to hot weather. I know Luca commented on it. I'm sure you have a comment. I know your old teammate Jeff Farrell did. He texted me last week. Said, "So when's when are the camp times?" I said, "Okay, well, uh, uh, I'll check it out. I did get the information. I said it's nine to eleven thirty. He goes, "Okay, yeah. And when's the second practice?" I'm like, "No, no, no. That's it. It's nine to eleven thirty. He's like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Yep." And Luca's the same. Luca's the same way. Uh, I bet you Glenn Suter would have loved to have training camp practice from nine to eleven thirty, uh, dodging the heat of the day. So uh, you know, so on and so forth. I would have loved it, and and honestly, Michael, I I think it's a great idea. Really, uh, you know, I I'm sort of from the Mark Tressman mentality, which is you know you don't you don't want to lose any players. It's, you can still have a freak accident or guy roll an ankle or something, but you you don't want to lose a player in training camp or the preseason. Um, so make sure they get their work in. And again, a, a lot of professional football is played from the shoulders up. I mean, the, the athleticism is there because they played and were excelling at the college level, whether it's in Canada or the U.S. So you know they're great players athletically. Now the question is, how do they handle the pressure of pro football? How do they, how do they you know, understand and learn What's, what's, what's their learning curve when it comes to the playbook and all the different, uh, you know, checks and changes that you have to make on the fly? Um, you know, do they have football minds? And, and that's where you really will separate in a pro training camp, different than a college training camp. You'll separate the guys that will make the team and won't. So, you know, I, I would have loved to have had – an extra long practice with a break in it and not two a days where you had to go back, get a nap, try to wake up and get yourself stretched out again in between practices. I think it's safer now. I think the guys can get their mental reps either in the meeting rooms with video, watching themselves at practice uh, on video in the meeting rooms after their two hour, three hour practice. And then, you know, and then they're getting off their feet, and there's a, long, there's a longer rest period between the end of practice and the beginning of the next practice. So, 
I, I, I like it. I, I think it's, it's sort of innovation in the game with, with player safety as the priority. Yeah, good point. Glenn Suter joining us here in the Western Pizza Hotline for Quality Tire. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. Um, I will say, and Coach mentioned this, they got to cut down uh, 10 guys uh, by tomorrow at midnight, and they're going to have their first real um, energetic practice. These first two days have kind of been a teaching days because they've, they've got a little bit of a break here before their first preseason game on May 27th when the BC Lions come to town. So they're ramping it up a little bit tomorrow, but it puts a lot of these young guys... These American guys, per se, behind the eight ball, Glenn, because you don't have a lot of time to impress before uh, the first cutdown comes. And I know uh, Coach uh, said you maybe we'll look at it at the league level next year and try to push it back a little bit because it's almost not fair for a lot of these guys. Yeah, it, it, let's be honest. It's not enough. It's not enough time. It's not right. It's not fair. If you're our, if you're a receiver that isn't targeted in an eight on eight drill or a team drill in, in practice, uh, you know, you you went a whole practice without showing whether you can catch the ball or not, um, other than the individual drills. So it's it's not fair. It's not enough. And um, I I'm, I'm not for. I don't think we necessarily need to extend training camps, but. You know, I, I think there's a, a discussion that could be had about not having even the first cutdown day until after the first week of preseason games. And I would suggest, again, uh, make an argument for the opposite here, Michael, if you can. And I'm sure maybe a coach or two might make an argument for the opposite of my opinion here. But I, I think after the first game is the first cutdown. And that first preseason game should be just all rookies. Like, you, you play all your backups, all your rookies, all your new guys in the first preseason game, and every team has to sign off on that so that there's not, you know, one team trying to gain confidence by playing their starters well, that have all the experience against a whole bunch of guys that are brand new to the game. So, you know, I, I think you'd have to have a sign-off from every team, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe there's some – make an argument for against that. Sure, I, I, I'm all ears, but I think it – it might be the best way to go. What about what about they used to do it up here? Winnipeg and Saskatchewan would hook up and have a rookie game. The the rookies up here at Griffith Stadium. Why not have a an extra little scrimmage like you know Ottawa and Montreal, Toronto and Toronto and Hamilton, uh, Calgary and Edmonton. I know it's a little tougher with BC, but you know what I mean. Just have like a rookie a, a rookie little scrimmage, controlled scrimmage type deal because they used to have that back in the eighties. I, I played in it. I, you know, we, we played in, I think it was Brandon. Does that sound right? Um, yeah. We, we traveled in between the two cities, and we played the Bombers, and it was all rookies, and I got a chance to play. I believe, if I remember correctly, I had an interception. And mm-hmm. that is the moment that helps you make the football team as a new guy. I mean, you, you know, you make that one big play, and all of a sudden the coaches say, okay, he's, it's not too big for him. The stage is not too big. He was in the right coverage. He's done everything correctly mentally. And now he made a play on the ball with great confidence. So I like this guy. He, he moves up the ladder as far as making the team. And, and that's, again, as many times as you could see the guys sort of out there really competing, like full tackling, you don't want to add to another preseason game. That's a player safety issue. But all rookie game in week one. Who cares? And then all your veterans play most of the of the of the second preseason game, and you're basically telling your guys, "Look, 
think of it as a 17 game, uh, or sorry, a 19 game regular season and then playoffs. That, that's your season because all mm-hmm. of the starters are going to play the majority of the second preseason game as a tune up. And then we're going to go live because you, you want to start fast, right? Like every team wants to start fast. So let the, let the starters play. You'd have lots of time or a maximum amount of time to evaluate the young guys especially against each other in that first week, I, that, to me, that, that would be the way to go. But uh, there, there may be an argument out there against it. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll listen in. You, you, were the guy that, uh, you were the guy that said, you know what, uh, training camp, it's about competition. You want to have good competition. I'm, I'm starting to see it with the Riders' offensive line. They're trying to figure out the tackle spot, and they've been rotating guys in. But Luke and I noticed first day, you got Peter Godbert center. He was the guy to brought in here, so there's no surprise there. Where would Philip Blake end up? First two days in practice, he's been at left tackle. Uh, then you had uh, Evan Johnson the first day at right, uh, or sorry, at uh, left guard. Pardon me, with uh, Philip Blake, right guard with uh, Evan Johnson and Logan Furl and Logan Bandy backup. Now today they they flip flopped a little bit. It just speaks to competition and depth. So I'm really eager to see how it shakes out on the Riders' offensive line. Yeah, that's that's really where the focus can be. If you're trying to evaluate how good your team is going to be, look at the number twos and and how good they're playing and how good they're practicing and, and are they making mental mistakes and are are they solid in their checks and, and all their technique and one on ones and things like that. Look at the number twos. You know, for the most part your starters and your veteran player, even if it's a new guy to your team, but he's a veteran of the league, those guys understand the game. And in fact, I, and I, and I hate to say it because you just never are sure, but some of them might even be, you know, playing the first few days of training camp, you know, show like, like the L guard rule. And I, I've said this to his face, so I don't mind saying it on the air. Elgard would be really good for the first two days of camp and then basically shut it down for day three, four, and five. And then we'd see him again in a very, you know, solid, strong pace after that, but not game shape pace, not, not, not Elgard all-star pace. The rest of camp was, okay, you guys know I'm going to make the team and I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to mentally and not uh, be hurt before we start the season, that kind of approach. So what I'm saying, Michael, is is look at the number twos. If they're having a big camp, you're going to have a good team because that competition pushes the number ones, make sure they're on their game. But it also, in case of that freak injury, it also means your number two guy to fill the spot is ready to go. When we come back, we'll pick some more knowledge up from Glenn Suter. I want to ask him about uh, the safety position here for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders because that's one area to highlight and uh, he might know a thing or two about that. This is the Sports Cage and inside the Sports Cage it's the press coverage segment with Hall of Fame broadcaster Ryder Plaza of Honor Safety Glenn Suter here on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back. Uh, hey, by the way, I want to give a shout-out because I didn't do them proper justice. I don't believe my computer froze. I want to give a shout-out to McDougal Auctioneers where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience. Check them out at McDougalAuction.com. In this segment, 
The great uh, press coverage with Glenn Suter is brought to you by Quality Tire. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. Okay, Suits, um, we've got one Canadian safety that's really fast and athletic in Nelson LaCombe. We've got another guy that's been running some marathons in the offseason. He's uh, real healthy, something he wasn't at the end of the year. And Jaden Dalkey, who's a pretty smart guy, uh, more on the physical type. Um, and then you got uh, Onyeka, also uh, an athletic guy, can be physical at times. What do you uh, What do you think is the main attribute for a safety? Um, leadership skills. Uh, you know, the again, the knowledge of the defense, the knowledge being able to make those checks physically, great range. Um, you know, uh, the safety has got to have a sense of humility. He's got to be patient. Um, you know, there's times where you feel like you're not contributing, but the moment you put make it about yourself from that position and then you try to jump a route or, or you know, force something to happen, you probably are leaving one of your teammates hanging out to dry. So you, you have to have great patience, an understanding of the defense, not just your job on the defense, everybody's job on the defense, and then, you know, athletically good range, good ball skills, uh, ability to read the quarterback, read the formations, and, you know, those kind of things. Those are sort of the skill set for most of the DBs and guys on defense. But certainly for safety, there's a leadership element, humility, and a patience element that maybe is different than any other position on, on defense. Very very interesting. Humility is something that's interesting because it's funny. I was listen- I remember watching you play, and I'm in the crowd before I was a broadcaster, and and you were the guy people would pick on because in a lot of cases you were over there trying to help out your corner on that side or your halfback on that side, and sometimes in a lot of cases you were closer to the, the you know what I mean? It looked like they beat yes, you deep. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And, and so, so ah, yeah. Suter, he can't, he can't cover anybody, but from a... If you knew football, you knew it wasn't necessarily the safety spot, but that comes into being a safety, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you you know, your your responsibility in, in a lot of the defenses is to give your halfbacks a chance to, um, you know, to, to expand their game and expand the game within the game. So, you know, the halfbacks in a cover one, which is a one high defense, so safety is usually the free guy. And everybody else is playing man-to-man. So the safety then is in charge of sort of helping the two halfbacks, most importantly, the short side for sure. And if you can, the short side corner, it's really tough. I mean, some of the guys today can get there, but it's really tough to help the wide side, uh, the wide side corner because of a unless, – unless the receiver he's covering runs a real deep post. But, but you know, you if you decide that – I got to make a play because I've been, I feel like I've been just out here not doing anything. And then you jump a crossing route. That's when there's a post behind you and it's a touchdown and your halfback looks, you know, forget about the six points for a second and forget about the chance that, you know, that you just now increased your chances of losing that game because of your selfish decision. Think about how your halfback, your teammate feels. He's looking like, Hey, I played outside shoulder here. Because I thought you were helping me on the inside shade. And now you take off and leave, and you leave me hanging out to dry on an easy throw and catch for the quarterback and receiver. And that's, and I hated that look. It happens to everybody. 
But I hated that look when Richie Hall, because we got beat, because I decided on that one play I was going to do something on my own. And I thought I was doing the right thing. You have all great intentions, but but play the defense because all 12 game guys have an intricate role. And if you if you decide that your personal agenda is better or more important than the team's, that's when it breaks down. And I hate that look from a teammate going, where were you? I was expecting you to be there. You weren't there. You just let me down. To this day, I wake up at night. I'm glad you described it like that because I've never really heard it. Uh, when you're playing football, you're a type A personality. You're an alpha male. You're you're a different duck playing football. Let's just be honest, okay? And and that's got to be one of the hardest things to be uh to be a patient player like that, like because you do feel at times like you're not doing anything. Absolutely. You know, I I remember when I was playing, uh, Scott Flagel was an all star a couple of years while I was mm-hmm. playing. And you know, you know, you look at some of the other guys that are playing in the league in your position, and you see how they're doing it. Maybe you can steal something from their game, or you know, you can sort of rate yourself against other guys in the league in your position. And, and, you know, I used to hear a lot of positive feedback about Scott Flagle. And then I talked to some of his teammates, and a couple of times his teammates would say that, you know, he's a, a very good player, he's a physical player, but quite often he will decide to do his own thing. He will decide, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a play here, and I'm going to jump a short crossing route. Well, the moment that you do that, you, you might make the play. You better make the play because you just did something that was outside of the defense that was called. But you've left your, your teammates hanging. And if, if it doesn't work out and they get beat, uh, I don't know. I, just, I couldn't live with that. That, that. that bothered me more than the seven points on the board, to be honest. I, I just Richie Hall giving me that look like, dude, you let me down. I was, yeah. oh, my gosh. Uh, you can't happen again. I love that, man. I love that. Can't wait to talk to you again, Glenn. Thanks for the insight there. Really taking us inside the safety position, something the riders have highlighted as a, as a spotlight position this year with the likes of LaCombo and Jackson Ford and uh, Jaden Dulkey replacing Mike Edom. Thanks for your time, Glenn. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Michael. Sounds good. Appreciate Glenn Suter joining us here for Quality Tire. That'll do it for our show live from Griffith Stadium in Saskatoon. And the show, if you missed it, will be up in podcast form after. And tomorrow, we promise you, we're going to iron out these technical difficulties. Thanks for being patient. But we are your voice of CFL football, your voice of Rough Riders football. 620 CKRM. Thanks to my buddy Sean Kleisiger back at the station, my color commentator Luke Molitor for joining me too. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Today's sports page has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.